Welcome to Last Weekly, where we talk, laugh, and sometimes bitch about the highs and lows of the past week, including why is the first lady trying to stop kids wearing bulletproof backpacks from tasting the rainbow? Are fanboys and girls great tech expectations poisoning Apple? Is Lady Justice too blind to see that she's getting dragged on Instagram? Should Dave Chappelle's critique of cancel culture be canceled? Plus, reviews of Apple TV Plus's dystopian future drama, C. And the satirical dark comedy, Jojo Rabbit. And more. I'm Kevin Williams, and I'll be recapping the week with my two incredible co-hosts, Anthony Tone Show Nunez. Apple will not be taking my money. <laughs> and Trish, aka Danger. I'm back. Yes. <laughs> All right. We're so excited that Trish is now going to be a regular part of the L Weekly family. Could not be more excited about this danger. I'm Welcome. Thank you. All right. So let's get right to the news. What was going on this week? Well, President Trump announced this week that his administration is looking into banning flavored e-cigarettes. The president, while talking to reporters, touched on the dangers of vaping while also mentioning the concern his wife Melania had with the youth picking up the habit. Many online were quick to call their concern misdirected or false, pointing to the thousands of deaths yearly from gun violence and his administration's failure to address the mass shooting epidemic gripping the nation. Where do you guys land with the administration's possible flavored vape ban? The funny thing about this, the moment I heard about him coming out about this and him sitting next to Melania was the fact that I'm not claiming that this isn't an issue. It absolutely is, because uh, not only have six people died uh, related to vaping in the last couple of years, but the uh, there's been a huge rise in um lung disease and um lung issues like i forget how like, i read somewhere like over 500 and something cases of uh really young people having chronic lung problems based on vaping so this is a real issue but six deaths compared to the countless amount of deaths we've had uh due to gun violence and just recently with the mass shootings that happened in Texas, where people were shopping at a Walmart uh, for back-to-school clothes for their kids uh, that were mowed down, nothing, zero, nada on that. But we're coming hard against bubblegum-flavored nicotine dispensing. Um, so, um, again, something should be done about it. Uh, and the truth is, I was also reading that a lot of uh, people that uh, the, the vape shops are very upset about this and they claim that this will destroy their uh their business as well as just drive it underground. This is absolutely to me marketed towards children. The idea that if you need a nicotine dispensing system that it has to have like it has to taste like s'mores uh for it to be good. It's this is an a highly addictive drug. It's just a better way to dispense it and the idea that I I've, I've heard some one of the arguments that people are uh that are against the ban of the flavors are claiming that people will just go to regular cigarettes 
um, if they don't have access to the flavors. Well, if the whole point is to get your nicotine fix, even if you don't get a taste, why can't you just still suck on the vape and get your nicotine fix? Hmm. So th- that to me is the question. And I'm sure that like, you know, um, all over social media and like probably on Etsy and stuff, people come up with their own little uh, grandma's old fashioned bubblegum flavoring for vaping or something that you can make yourself at home. Uh, so it'll just be a little bit more difficult, but I'm sure that people will not stop um, if they ban the flavors. Um, honestly, what bothers me about the whole vaping thing to start with is the, the quickness that people were uh, had with saying, oh, well, it's not dangerous or secondhand vaping isn't dangerous. And that's based on what exactly? Um, right. People said the exact same thing about regular cigarettes for generations until we had science to back up the fact that, no, this is dangerous. We now already see this early on, vaping is such a, a relatively new phenomenon. We've already have deaths associated with it. We already have chronic lung disease associated with with people that are insanely young whose lungs are malfunctioning it's just it's ridiculous so uh so again i don't care if it gets banned honestly um i feel like it definitely will make it less attractive to children because having things like you know uh taste like a a blue raspberry i don't think that that's for adults i i absolutely think that this was being marketed to children the colors the packaging all of it some of the ads um that are in magazines to me there's absolutely no doubt that it's geared towards children so i don't mind them being uh i don't mind them getting uh that business model being hurt um what i do mind is that it being hurt before gun manufacturers who are you know releasing guns that are uh, that are basically weapons of war that are meant to kill as many people as possible in a short amount of time as possible having them be on the streets so to me get your priorities in order and i'm looking at you melania trump all right what do you think tone <laughs> this seems to be a, a case where no one is denying that yes there needs to be more research into into flavored um e-cigarettes and vaping um the research actually is not there people are saying it's safer but in, they talk about in comparison to regular smoking so if anybody this benefits people who are currently smoking and trying to quit and, and the other things like the patch etc haven't worked for them um, this has never been something where children should have been invited to, to use. And this is honestly, like Kevin says, I completely agree. This is something that has been marketed um, to children, even though they're not they're not saying this is for children. But this has clearly been marketed to children. Uh, bubble gum is not something an adult's going to um, be vaping. Um, something else that I found really interesting and that a lot, a lot of the news reports were um, kind of centering around was the sudden change that this administration has been incredibly slow. Um, just to, to, to piggyback on what Kevin has said, to actually make any type of uh, move or any type of um, step towards any type of um, reduction in the sale of guns or automatic weapons. Or there used to be an automatic weapons ban and, and it was removed. And this demonstration, even after two massacres in Texas, we had two large gun tragedies in Texas, mass shootings, and nothing has been done to resolve this. And out of nowhere, the headline was just like um, Trump administration looking into possibly va- uh, banning uh, flavored um, e-cigarettes. And they, they said looking into this administration. One day they say they're doing something. The other day they're doing something else. So I'm, I would be even I honestly doubt they're even going to ban anything, honestly, 
because Donald Trump has a way, his way, supposedly, I, mean, I don't even think it's a, it's, a, it's a tactic. He today thinks one thing and the next second thinks another. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do anything. But I just find it really interesting that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, this came out that they're looking at this after six thefts. There's six thefts, yes. <laughs> but if you look at the, how many people have died from guns compared to this, you would think that they would have done something incredibly fast after the first or the second or the third or the fourth shooting. But no, so I, I really want to know what motivated this this change of heart that all of a sudden there they care about oh there's there's an epidemic there's six people who have died something else that um Neil deGrasse Tyson after the first um shooting mass uh, mass shooting that was in Texas he sent out a tweet and I remember he got a lot of flack for it because he was saying that the news um that people were the way people were reacting basically to the shooting um that the news was inciting uh, fear. And that a lot of people were basically um, that we we as a society tend to get really upset when there's there's a there's a, an event with there's a tragedy which we should obviously be as a society get upset. But he was mm-hmm. pointing to the fact that the news and the way the media works that people become so super hypersensitive to a certain issue. Meanwhile, he was saying that there are plenty of people every day who die of lung cancer, um, cardiac arrest. Right now, heart disease is like the number one killer in America. We mm-hmm. have thousands of people dying because of heart disease. But you never hear the president or the administration saying, hey, we have to stop heart disease. We have to stop car accidents. Between car accidents and heart disease and, and, lung, and um, lung cancer, you have the majority of deaths there. So, But no one's inclined to stop these things. We don't have marches to stop heart disease. But it, again, it's a human reaction. We see six deaths because of something, and we automatically think, oh, my God, this, this is terrible, which it is. But if you think about it on the scope of, of all these mass shootings, how many people die in car accidents, how many people are dying right now because of heart disease, that was the number one killer in America, you would think this administration would run to ban those things. So I really question the reason behind this. And someone on Twitter pointed something really interesting out. They said that the 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 e-cigarette lobby is very weak <laughs> because if the e-cigarette lobby had the strength of the NRA, we wouldn't even be talking about any type of e-cig ban. So that's something I like to consider also. So what do you think, Danger? Yeah, I my first thought was, um, well, you know, I agree. Like, first of all, no one's denying that this is an issue. Uh, I don't really see the need in this. And, and it was my understanding that these e-cigarettes came to be kind of like a step down for people who were smoking and were trying to uh, break the habit. So again, yeah, this really shouldn't be for kids, but clearly has been marketed and targeted towards kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for banning flavored cigarettes and vaping in general. But, you know, while we're at it, why don't we ban cigarettes and everything else that's, you know, that's dangerous, that's going to kill us. I mean, we the, the statistics are there. It's not like it's a question of, you know, are cigarettes bad for you? What makes e-cigarettes so special? Like like you said, like there's been six deaths. So, uh, yeah, after thinking about that, I was like, well, obviously, um, the palms that are being greased for the tobacco industry are not being greased the same way for the e-cigarette industry. So, so yeah, I think it's just, you know, big money and lobbyists, like you mentioned, you know, who's, who's actually working the hardest, who has the most support behind them? Because it does seem a little strange that all of a sudden... We're banning e-cigarettes, which kind of makes me think that, you know, is this really about six deaths or is the tobacco industry now finally have a foothold in saying like, oh, look, here's our in to get rid of our competition because vaping has become incredibly, incredibly popular. I can honestly say at least where I am from what I am seeing on the day to day, I see more people vaping 
then I see smoking actual cigarettes. And and it could be because it was marketed as a safer way to get your nicotine fix, perhaps, um, or to, you know, to step down from smoking actual cigarettes. But I'm not seeing as many people smoking cigarettes as I am as seeing vaping. So I think maybe this kind of put the tobacco industry up in arms, like, hey, wait a second, this is a, a legit comp, you know, competition for us. Now, I haven't looked up statistics. I don't know, you know, how many cigarettes are being sold, um, you know, on an, on an annual basis versus how many, uh, you know, vape pens or whatever they're called. But I'm going to say just from what I'm seeing, it's a pretty healthy competition. I could be totally wrong, but I kind of feel like this really isn't prompted so much by a concern for how many people are dying, but more like the tobacco industry is upset that they've got this competition. And now this is a great opportunity for them to paint vaping as bad as they possibly can. Not that it's great. I mean, we, we can see clearly it's bad, but six deaths, really? Compared to all the have, cigarette deaths? Yeah, compared to all the cigarette deaths. You know, and that and that's just talking about that. Like, let's not even get... Now we're going to get into the topic of gun violence. Okay, so we're all up in... No pun intended. We're up in arms about six deaths. Now, you know, six is a lot. You know, if, if that's your child or your husband or your wife or your loved one, you you know, obviously, it's serious. But how how many people have been killed by guns? And listen... Maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. I happen to be a gun owner. So I think I can speak um, about this topic. Uh, I hope I can speak about this topic with some sort of intelligence here. I have a revolver, so I don't have, you know, an automatic weapon of any kind. Um, I think people, if they want to own guns, they should own guns. But I think there also has to be some type of restriction or regulation um and not just you know like when i bought my gun i had to go and they you know they had to do a background check and all the things that they do but again we're in a position where we have people who are buying privately i had the answer i wish i could solve the problem i don't know what the answer is but with as many people as we have on this planet are you telling me that no one can come with come up with a great solution to how people can still have guns but still not have these mass shootings because like if somebody came to me and said, uh, we're going to take your gun away, I think I would be a little bit offended because I feel like I should have the right to have a gun and defend my family if necessary. But at the same time, I can totally understand why we wouldn't want like this rifle that not rifle, like an automatic weapon that can shoot, you know, I don't know how masses, mass amounts of bullets at one time. There's there has to be some happy medium. And I don't understand why we're not finding it. I don't know if we're not finding it because, uh, you know, the NRA is so powerful and so many palms are being greased. I don't know what the answer is. But what I do know is, yes, this is a major problem. Um, And I'm saying this as a gun owner. I remember that mass shooting in Newton. And I just I, I couldn't even wrap my head around these tiny little children, kindergartners, first graders, elementary school kids just being massacred. And for what? And no one did anything. I thought for sure that was the the moment in time, mm-hmm. uh, the moment in our country, the moment in history where things were going to take a turn. But no, now we have um, bulletproof backpacks instead. So I, I wish I had the answer. I don't. But I, I think that there's got to be some happy medium. There has to be some happy medium where, you know, an individual can still own a gun 
but we have some sort of protection in place where we don't have people buying these weapons where they can just, you know, do these mass shootings. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer for me is not let's ban vape pens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also, I want to I, I wanted to come cha- uh, to say that I don't think that most people, uh, and I I absolutely think this is the NRA and their power that has stopped. You talked about like, is there a happy medium? Yes, and uh, and polls show that there is an agreement uh, even amongst uh, not only gun owners and just people in general, but even members of the NRA. The actual members have said that they want. Uh, 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 background checks and they want, uh, they want to stop sale, private sales and people being able to, a gun show loopholes where people can go in with, uh, without any idea or anything and buy all kinds of guns. So, uh, and the, also the idea that people are looking to get all guns banned, most people is a myth, uh, and perpetrated by the gun lobby. Um, I don't own a gun personally, but I have, uh, female friends and single women friends, uh, and I absolutely would want them to have, you know, some kind of protection, but unless there's a zombie apocalypse, you don't need a gun that can fire off 170 bullets in less than 60 seconds. Those, those, those weapons were, were designed for war to kill as many people as you can uh, possibly and also the way the bullets are designed is to make people bleed out uh, yeah. uh quickly to kill people not just to sh- to, uh, to hurt them to make them yeah. stop them from co- attacking you but to kill them and so it really disgusts me that people act as if there there is no middle ground or no way uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh no way to do anything about this no clearly the gun lobby doesn't want they're selling a lot of guns and they're making a lot of money doing this and honestly they're there is something that can be done, and I'm going to say it right here and right now. You need to stop voting for Republicans. As long as Republicans are in control like Mitch McConnell, nothing's going to happen on this. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It will go nowhere. If you want to have it, at the very least, uh, better background checks, a national registry, having doctors have the ability. Um, there's even laws against doctors um, um, warning patients about, like, you know, locking their guns up and keeping their kids safe from guns. Because yeah. one of the ways kids die, kids uh, get a hold of guns all the time and oh, either shooting yeah. themselves or shooting someone else. But they can't even, they're legally banned from talking about this. Because why? The gun lobby has stopped this. And one thing that Tone mentioned that I've got to, I can't let go without saying something about. I was a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson for a long time, but that whole tweet thing that he said was just to me absolute BS. The idea that people would not be, should not be bothered by the fact that when they're buying clothes for their kids at Walmart for school, that they got, that people got murdered. Um, yeah, they're going to be upset. And no one's saying that heart disease isn't a thing and that you can't have a fun run or march to basically end heart disease or have more research on heart disease or cancer or any other disease. The difference with heart disease versus your kid getting shot is normally heart disease uh, basically is uh, adults are dealing with heart disease. Older adults, middle-aged adults are dealing with heart disease. And there is treatment for heart disease. Um, and you can take steps to try and curb your chances of getting heart disease. But when you're walking, when your kid's at a movie theater or when your kid's in class and they get shot, they, they, what are they, other than their bulletproof backpack, 
what defense do they have? Mm. So yeah, thanks Neil deGrasse. You know, you know, hit hit the books, hit the books. Mm. All right, so <laughs> let's move on to the next story. What else was going on this week? On Tuesday, Apple held its September press event, announcing among other things the launch dates and pricing for Apple Arcade and Apple TV, as well as unveiling the new iPhone 11 and 11 Pro. Many critics and Apple fans' reactions to the event range from underwhelmed to unimpressed. Tech fans' public disappointment got a strong reaction from comedian Whitney Cummings on Twitter when she said, Incredible that people have become such brats that they have the audacity to complain about Apple products when they come out. What kind of a-hole complains about a product they couldn't function for 45 minutes without? So who would you like to take a bite out of? Apple? Or their critics. I think I'll take a bite out of both. Actually, um, I'm actually uh, it's a dichotomy on this one. Uh, I'm 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 really split. Part of me, yes, I'm I'm every year I've been babied and and um and trained to. We've all been trained to to look forward to this Apple event in September, and we expect this miraculous device to appear that's going to completely revolutionize the way we use phones. Um, and Steve Jobs right now is rolling in his grave because <laughs> what's happened has been a complete backstep to everything the man did. He one he once said that he would never make an iPhone that's bigger than the iPhone five because he said you don't need a bigger iPhone. And after okay. the man died, the first thing they did was come out with a bigger iPhone. Then every year Steve Jobs was alive, he would go on that stage and say the iPhone is more magical. It's made of aluminum and it's lighter. It's 5% lighter. And the next year, it's 10% lighter. And the next year, the battery is 12, 12% more better than the year before. And now they don't even mention how light the iPhone is. You know why? Because the iPhone has gotten heavier every year. They don't even mention it anymore. So it's, it's, a, it's basically a complete backstep to everything. Um, Android has had the same features way before Apple released these features. So yes, it's gotten to a point where it's basically we, we are spoiled and there's no new advancements. So Apple is not impressing anyone. Nobody's upgrading their phones like they used to before. There used to be lines before. I remember the lines we used to have to uh, every morning we would wake up and look on the news and like, look at these idiots making lines. Nobody's making a line anymore. The Apple store. And on the other end, part of me is like, she's right. Whitney Cummings, we are spoiled. If, if you look at the thing is, we look at our phones different than we look at any other appliance. I want you to take a moment, people, and think about your automobile, your car has every year has gotten a little bit more advanced, but it still has four wheels. It has a steering wheel. Nothing really crazy has happened. Yes, we have Tesla. They drive themselves. That might be the more revolutionary thing that's going to happen to vehicles. But in the last 50 years, you still get in a car that has doors and has four wheels. And But the, 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 the changes have been incremental. We have safety belts. Now we have airbags, GPS, air conditioning. So, you know, we get one feature that, that it's a little creature comfort that changes the experience a little bit. But we're not expecting to get into a, an, a, an automobile that flies. But people, when they look at phones, they don't think the same way. So, yes, Apple, you know, improved the memory this year little bit more ram the camera's a little better but if you look at everything else in your life the, the changes are incremental unless you're going to jump into the future 50 years from now don't be surprised if the phone isn't that more incredible this year than it was last year it's still one year difference like i don't know what you're expecting to happen your refrigerator has acted the same way for the last 30 years nobody's shocked when the, oh my god the fridge this year is the same as last year it just makes it a little bit colder what do you expect the fridge to do it's a fridge your phone makes freaking phone calls you should be happy with that. Your camera's a little better than last year? Good. We have become baby and we're freaking expecting too much. But at the same point, Apple, you're disappointing us. So I I I'm in the middle of this. What do you guys think? 
<laughs> he's conflicted. He's conflicted. Oh, honestly, the sad thing is I'm going to come in and I, I am similarly conflicted as well. I, I feel like that there, there are two sides to this and um, uh, both sides are kind of, uh, you know, need to be sauced, applesauced. I do feel that Apple is uh, a victim of its own success in one way. And part of this is their own doing because the invitations uh, for this press event read by innovation only. Ooh, you got to love that wordplay. And so people are like, "Uh oh, they're about to innovate, y'all. It's about to get serious, about to get real. And then it was just like, oh, we're going to give you the same thing that Android people had like a year ago. And so (laughs) just slightly better. (laughs) I mean, and so that's great. They are doing it better. But don't don't brag about innovation when you're not innovating. You're taking something and perfecting it like, you know, by perfection. You know, they're perfecting something. You can say that, but you can't claim it's innovation um and i think that's part of it and um uh, apple has basically i agree with tone as, as far as in there used to brag about this like i used to always think that is there empty space in the phone so they can just say the next year that it's a teeny bit thinner it's like it's a teeny bit thinner this year <laughs> but they don't even mention the teeny bit thinner anymore i absolutely agree and the funny thing is when it comes to innovations with the phone one thing that you never hear them talk about is you never talk about they never talk about like the way the found the, the, the phone sounds like does it sound better is there better sound quality can you actually can people hear you better can you friggin hear me now they don't even talk about that it, that's never discussed is it yeah. a better phone it's is, never do, talked about because people don't make phone calls anymore Everybody's texting. <laughs> it's not even an issue so it's um not. yeah so so that bothers me um the real improvements that i feel like i want that is to me to me if whoever is the first one to come up with a phone where you charge it once a week that will mm. be a revolution. That will be like a Preach. fainting Preach. moment when it just Preach. like, oh, I feel like constantly charging devices constantly. So that's the kind of innovation I want. Um, and another uh, way that uh, that Apple is a, a victim, I, I should say Tim Cook is a victim where Steve Jobs wasn't, was the fact that now there are people, there are so many YouTubers and actual tech reporters, their only job is to... Try and figure out what Apple is doing before Apple announces it. So there's no such thing as any kind of surprise. Uh, sad to say, no. me being a fanboy, I am a fanboy. I uh, I subscribe to tons of YouTubers who do uh, tech stuff. Uh, shout out Brian Tong. And I, I have to admit, I already saw, I knew everything that was going to be released in this Apple press event except for the pricing for the new services. I had already seen the mock-ups because what happens is there's companies that have to actually make like the body and stuff like that. And co- and people have gotten hip to that. So they actually get people that are basically working there for like a penny a week. They sell the the actual mock-ups. And so we can actually see that, oh, this, is good. this, this version of the phone is going to have two cameras. This version of the phone is going to have three cameras. So there was zero shocks there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Tone's right. We're not expecting every year for our refrigerator to be completely uh innovative and a brand new kind of fridge and we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, making our food colder in a whole new way uh, <laughs> just like no this is how it is and the sad nature of things is as as miraculous as these devices we carry around in, in our pockets are we've had them for a few years now and we are absolutely spoiled i i feel like literally if Two years from now, Apple came out with a phone that was actually able to read your thoughts and 
and call somebody if you touch the phone it would call the person you wanted to call people would be bitching about the fact that you know what it actually took like 2.2 seconds for them to call my mom <laughs> when I picked my phone up they would be so mad about that and they would brag I would brag about now the, now the phone only takes 0.1 second to read your mind and we'd be like ooh okay we'll be excited we'll be we'll be excited about this for the next five minutes that's how mm-hmm. rack, I mean can you imagine if somebody basically went back in time to when you were in junior high and showed you an iPhone, you would be flipped the F out. It would be so f- freaking Star Trek. You would be like, what? That, wait, that's a phone? You can play games on it and watch pornography too? It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> what do you think, Danger? To give you an idea of my, you know, where I'm coming from on this... I just recently upgraded my phone to the iPhone Max from a 6 Plus. So clearly, I'm not one of those people that's standing in line for Apple Watches, but, you know, um, or, or um, iPhones or, or Apple Watches. But um, but I, I love Apple. We are an Apple household. We have all Apple everything, TV, um, computers, all of that good stuff. Uh, and my kids, you know, are have their devices and they're all Apple devices. But I just, you know, I think it's like a first world issue here. Uh, uh, you you kind of put, put your finger on the pulse of it. Like we're spoiled. This is a, you know, people are complaining. This is a first world problem. Uh, you know, there are people starving right here in the United States and they don't have iPhones. That's the least of their worries, you know? So yeah, I'm. I don't get so excited about uh, Apple announcements. I watch them because I work in tech, um, but I'm not standing in line for the latest, greatest anything. So when they talk about an invitation or you know an in- innovation, I I don't think they're talking about the phone so much as they're talking about things like maybe Apple Arcade and perhaps the fact that they're coming out with Apple TV. But again, how much innovation? are we talking here? Netflix exists. Um, you know, we, we're already seeing original series. It's not like they're inventing this. This is something that's already happening. So for me, uh, I don't, I'm not excited, but I'm, I guess the critics have their point as well. So, uh, I mean, I, I worry about these things when I need a new phone. I don't need a new phone. I really don't care. No, one thing I was going to say again, the uh, part of the reason why they're a victim of their own success is you mentioned your iPhone 6 Plus. I am still rocking an iPhone 6 Plus. I will not be upgrading my phone until they get rid of that stupid notch. I'm holding mm. out. So, and I'm going <laughs> to keep holding out till the notch is gone. But um, you're right about the fact that one of the reasons why Apple is offering all this other kind of uh, these other ser- moving for, to a service model more than just, you know, an actual hardware company is because of the fact that people like me are holding on to our phones so much longer. For and sure. the phone that I have now is good enough. Uh, you know, and uh, I have nothing's been jaw dropping about these newer phones that yeah. makes me feel like I have to go out and get it. So they are a victim exactly. of their own success. So the qu- next question is. Was anybody apparently? I already know the answer. I think when Danger already said the answer, she's not impressed by Apple Arcade or Apple TV Plus. But is anybody even? I was surprised at the price model. Honestly, I was surprised that it was going to be five dollars a month for Apple TV Plus because Apple normally just tries to just like you know 
screw you as much as they possibly can nickel mm-hmm. and dime you to death so i was surprised that they didn't go for more money than that um um i still don't know exactly how many shows they're launching with but five dollars right. was was to me a much better price than i expected and with the apple arcade i thought five dollars was actually reasonable for what at least what they say they're going to be giving people um one thing i was surprised about was i didn't hear any kind of information about bundle pricing mm-hmm. like okay if you get mm-hmm. let, let's say you get at you have apple music and you have uh you get apple tv plus and you get apple arcade yeah i'm gonna say that it's probably not gonna be bundled and that's why they're coming in so cheaply because they're gonna start nickeling and diming us by creating all these little services that everyone's gonna want and it's gonna be five dollars here and five dollars there and ten dollars here and fifteen dollars there and 12.99 and the next thing you know it's like cable you know you're spending two and three hundred dollars so uh I'd also be really interested in knowing how quickly that price gets raised. Like it might be $5 now, but is it going to jump in three months once you're locked in and you've fallen in love? Like, I'm curious. I'm very curious. Well, uh, the see. only reason I think that when it comes to I can't speak about the Apple Arcade, but I will say when it comes to Apple TV Plus, I don't think they're going to have the ability to do any gouging. We already saw what happened in Netflix when they raised their price. Not really, even relatively not that much. Um, they lost subscribers. People are now uh, one of the reasons uh, that Apple seems to be doing experiments with changing their uh, product delivery model is, you know, we all got used to the whole uh, binging where you can just watch a whole series of the whole season of a series in a few days where they're all like, wait a minute. People are literally joining Netflix for one month, watching the season of Stranger Things they care about and then dropping it. So what they're Mm -hmm. experimenting with now, people are uh, they're actually experimenting with uh, having shows come out once a week like cbs all access does and disney plus has announced that that's how a lot of their shows are going to be released as well so i I don't i hate it too and i don't think that so that's why i don't think that apple will have the freedom to like jack up their price they actually said that they're not actually going after they're not trying to be the next netflix they're trying to be their their competition they see is hbo and Mm. that makes more sense so they're not trying to be in netflix they're trying to be in hbo and so a five dollar a month hbo versus a 20 dollar a month hbo sounds freaking good to me yeah let me also add kevin um while we were preparing to do the show today i was reading on twitter that um disney ceo bob Iger resigned from the board of apple today and it's really interesting because disney is their pricing right now for disney plus at disney streaming services 6.99 and bob Iger stepped down this week after apple announced their pricing of 4.99 so uh, some people are saying that there could have been a conflict of interest there he didn't want to stay on on the on the apple board knowing that disney is also have as a competing streaming service and some mm-hmm. other interesting news that was out um, when we were preparing for the show today movie pass announced that it's shutting down their doors so streaming is going to become a, a more competitive space honestly because people obviously cannot afford to go to the movies anymore and i agree with kevin um apple won't be able to increase the price as much because it's a great thing that we have all these streaming services because besides all the options they're going to force each other to compete and it's gonna, we're going to end up benefiting as the users because 4.99 for apple 6.99 for disney plus and 12.99 for um netflix and somebody has to give oh well, let's absolutely hope that, that we benefit let's hope that the benefit is is for us Well, the benefit will be for us in the short time because to me, this model can't be sustained. It's going to be too many services with NBC is going to have uh, uh, their own streaming service. There's already things like Crackle. Um, So there's more coming and there's only going to be room for so many. 
Um, yeah. And so once once basically we have the heyday where there's like 50 of them slowly some of them are going to die and they need to die because it's like it, we can't have 10 different streaming services that have enough original content to keep to sustain themselves it's, there's just no way that's going to work so eventually those those content producers that are going to try to have their own streaming services will go down and then like friends will go back onto netflix or whatever because the idea that you can basically just take friends and move it to your streaming service and think that everybody's going to just wander over there to pay an extra five <laughs> six seven bucks just to watch reruns of friends and two new original series good luck so i i, I will dance on all your graves <laughs> all right so so what's our next i love that transition what? i will dance on your graves <laughs> let's move on now so cheerful. so cheerful what's our next story well we need a little uh humor as we go into this dark story so a day after florida judge thomas palermo ruled that parents of four-year-old noah mcadams who was diagnosed with leukemia back in April, won't regain custody of him. The boy's mother posted an emotional message on Instagram. Noah was removed from his parents' custody in April after they skipped a chemotherapy session and took Noah out of state for a second opinion. Part of her Instagram post read, Are you going to be there rubbing his back at 2 a.m. when he's up crying? His belly hurts and puking? What are you going to tell him when he asks where his mommy and daddy are, when he asks to go home? She said, I won't receive an answer, but I hope this sits with you in the darkest hours on the latest nights, like the many dark and lonely nights I have sat through without my child for 133 lonely nights while you have yours. I hope you remember the face of a mother that loves her baby since you wouldn't even look at me yesterday. So have we now become a society where hospitals steal our babies instead of heal our babies? And what are your thoughts on social media being used to bring attention to the plight of the underdog? Okay. Um, well, the, the first part of, of your question, I absolutely love that social media is giving a platform to anyone and that's one of the bad things but that's one of the great things about it that this True. mother normally you'd have to she'd have to find some kind of reporter to be her champion and take on her story and get it out to the public at large but the fact that she posted this onto instagram and it caught fire like it did and we're even discussing this has made the world a bit smaller and I think that that's a good thing when we know about what other people are going through and we don't need only the filter. There's a and again, there is a, a reason for reporting and I support newspapers. So I'm not claiming that I'm not saying that we don't need that. We absolutely right. need that. But there's only so many reporters out there. And and, and as the media uh, landscape keeps changing and more small towns lose their newspapers and or even the papers that still exist have less and less reporters, stories like this will keep falling through the cracks. And so mm -hmm. I'm glad that we have social media. And thank goodness this woman's story has gone viral so we can talk about it. Now, I'm a, honestly mixed feelings about this now you, both of you guys are parents and so you're probably going to disagree with me I, I i really feel like one of the things that bothered me about the story is the fact that i don't know more about it i don't know 
how she even how they this whole thing got into the court system. I don't understand if it was the hospital that did a report or called the police across child protective services. Was it a family member that called child protective services? Because normally missing one appointment isn't enough to get child protective services involved. You think that they'd be like, well, we, we'll reschedule your appointment or something. The second thing is what I don't understand is it's one thing to go out and seek alternative treatment. But I do think it was irresponsible. It's like, why not take your kid to get his chemo? And I know chemo isn't fun. Sadly, I have a uh, have you know cancer in my uh, family's history. Um, I uh, personally have dealt with chemotherapy medications, and so I'm I'm not I can't I'm not, I can't imagine how horrific it is to have your child going through this. But the idea, we do know that leukemia in children especially is curable. It is, uh, it's hell. I'm not claiming it's easy to go through, but like more than 90% of children uh, that are treated uh, with chemotherapy for uh, leukemia, that I say, I think I said le- uh, chemo when I meant to say leukemia earlier, um, they get cured. And so the idea that you would just stop treatment it's one thing to go seek other treatments and alternative treatments um but to stop the treatment that he's getting that's proven uh, most often to save lives why not do both why not get him cbd oil and all kinds of other treatments and um and different diets and all that kind of stuff as well as conventional medicine and if she wanted if, if the parents wanted to have their child uh treated at another hospital you can do that. There's no loss and you have to use one particular hospital. So go to another hospital. She wasn't happy with uh, – part of the story was she wasn't happy with the treatment that her child was receiving at the hospital they were using. Go to another hospital with your child and and uh, get a referral. Go to another doctor and see if you like the treatment better or if they disagree with the treatment protocol that their child is pr- currently receiving. The other thing I also – I also have a problem with the judge because one thing mm-hmm. I don't understand is – it's one thing to say that this child has to be treated because we've gone through these kinds of stories in the news when it comes to people that are like Christian science, uh, believers of Christian science. They don't believe in like external medicine. So their kid could basically have an infection and they believe they can pray the infection away as opposed to giving antibiotics. And oh. people and children have died and, and, and people have taken children away from them, put them on antibiotics in the hospital. Once they're cured, release them back to their parents kind of thing. So what could to me easily happen, what the judge could have at least, if nothing else, asked, all right, you're under court order to bring your child to their uh, appointments for chemotherapy. I will release them into your custody to go home. But you understand if that child is not there, then you will lose custody and you will be imprisoned. That way, the child can be at home with their parents and and the mother can be tucking him in at night and be rocking him to sleep when he's in horrific pain, all those things. But to me, there's some place in the middle or that the, the grandmother or aunt where the child is actually staying could have been staying with the parents or the parents could have stayed with her so they could be there with the child through this incredibly difficult time. So something I feel like there's wrong on both sides and there's mm-hmm. things that could be done better to make the situation more bearable for everyone involved. What do you think, Tone? I really found, found myself conflicted with this one. Uh, uh, for, for, I have four different points. Um, point number one, Kevin, I completely agree with you. Um, someone had to tell on this. There, there has to be more to this story. Um, if a person takes a specific route, for example, stops caring for the child. I've read plenty of stories, unfortunately, where a child has a fever for a few days and then the parents take the child to the, to the hospital when it's unfortunately too, 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 too past the point where they can help and the child dies and they end up blocking the parents and they charge the parents. 
Uh, I, there's a lot of those stories, and there was no one in those stories, unfortunately, to to tell on these parents or or to inform these parents to take their children to the hospital. And unfortunately, these children died. Those those stories unfortunately happened, and there's so there was somebody should somebody had to have informed that they were not providing this type of care for this child for this to go to the court system. Um, I doubt the hospital just alerted them that they missed an appointment. I also agree with Kevin on well, my second point is if if I stop sending my daughter to school. Um, I, we will get a letter and eventually the law will get the law and the court system will get involved because I have to send my child to school to get an education. So just like I mandated to send my child to school for an education, I, I agree with Kevin. How come these parents can be mandated to make sure that they take their child in for chemotherapy um, and not take the child? Like um, I, I, I can only guess that there might there's other circumstances or other factors that maybe in the story were not included. Um, why this this judge felt that he had to remove the child from the home because I agree that the child could have just been mandated to be taken to those appointments. Uh, uh, my third point is also I looked up this particular type of leukemia and they say the survival rate. They usually don't tell you how, you know, how curable or prognosis, but they usually say five-year survival rate. Uh, my father um, passed away from cancer. I, when I remember when, when he found out he had cancer, we were we were looking online, you know, prognosis and survival rates, and basically they just tell you, um, you know, in five years this percentage of people, you know, are still living. And in the case of this particular cancer that we're talking about in this story, um, in five years, eighty-six to ninety percent of people who, who the children who were treated um, were still alive. So this this type of cancer in the story is very treatable, um, and they say in four weeks, um, usually the they go into remission. So the judge definitely thought that the treatment needed to be taking uh, taking place in this in this instance because it is a very treatable type of cancer that we're talking about. Um, so when parents, so the idea that the parents were thinking about doing something else aside from the actual chemo, which has been proven scientifically to work, um, I find that uh, uh, I, I find that a little bit difficult to to to, to think about. Um, I, I as a parent, I don't want people telling me how to parent my child, so. And I, that's why I feel conflicted with the story. But at the same part, I thought about it myself. I can, I can definitely um, parent my daughter and tell her how to do things and I can discipline my daughter. But if it gets to a point where I'm beating my daughter, um, I'm going to get locked up. Somebody's going to call, you know, children's protective services on me to take her away. So I feel like there's also a fine line when it comes to the treatment of children. Um, yes, you should have, uh, as a parent, I, I, I believe the government should stay out of my business, allow me to parent my child, how, how I should parent my child. But there's a fine line. If if the way I'm parenting my child crosses into abuse, I definitely know the government's going to come and take my child. So I feel like the, the judge must have felt that this is a, there was a fine line there cross. And we can only read between the lines. There has to be a lot of the story that's missing because I agree with Kevin. Um, the idea that this judge was just got involved and the child was taken away and it was taken to the hospital and then the hospital reported on it. It just seems like someone had to be involved and thought that there was a problem that these parents might have not been caring for this child. What do you think? So Angel? I think you've all touched on some really, really good points. And, and I think that you both noticed something very obvious here that I noticed as well. So I read countless articles on this story and it was incredibly hard to get the facts straight because there were so many different news outlets reporting so many different things as fact. And a lot of it was um, considered rumors. So when the official statement came out from attorneys, a lot of the stuff that the news had reported was actually rumors. Uh, so... Um, I think that's really disturbing <laughs> when it comes to journalism. Um, but here's what I was able to piece together. So according to NBC News, the couple said that they were seeking an out-of-state second opinion about the boy's treatment after he underwent 10 days of chemotherapy 
and the follow-up tests to that showed that the cancer appeared to be in remission. So basically, Johns Hopkins said he was in remission, he was good to go. A lawyer for the parents said that they were also examining alternative remedies. So they were they were they were not um uh, opposed per se to chemotherapy, but they wanted something that was going to be a little bit more holistic or a nat- uh, like seeking out a, like a, a nat- naturopath because they just felt like, oh my gosh, if chemo totally ravages an adult body, imagine what it's going to do to our little 30 pound year old, three year old, because he was three at the time that he was taken away. He's four now because it's been going on for quite, for quite some time. Um, so, um, after they had decided to pursue a second opinion on their own, the parents agreed to continue their son's chemotherapy treatments, but they never actually got the opportunity to say, okay, yeah, we're going to go back because while they were in the process of, of um, getting that second opinion out of state, this is what I read. The hospital, when they missed that appointment, the hospital alerted them, the hospital alerted authorities that the child was in imminent danger because, of course, this was a life-saving in their opinion, a life-saving procedure. So the hospital alerted authorities and CPS, and that's how they got involved. So it wasn't like some random or some some random person or some family member was like, "Oh yeah, let me um let me go snitch on these people," or "We don't think they're good parents." The hospital was the one that did this, from what I read. Okay, well, uh, what I don't understand is, well, then why, is there a reason why the parents didn't just reschedule the appointment or or schedule their appointment to go get a second opinion on a day other than the day that they were going to, their son was supposed to be getting his uh, chemotherapy appointment? Well, why the, would you... the thing is that, the thing is that Johns Hopkins signed off on it. Johns Hopkins said, yeah, you can go get a second opinion. And then they, so when his appointment start, well, when his appointment came back up, they started calling and, and calling nonstop. And uh, they were like, oh, my gosh, like, can we just have a minute to think about what we're going to do next before you guys are like harassing us? So they went out of state. And and I'm not saying that they went out of state on the day, but I think while they were out of state, the date for the chemo came up and they just felt like, well, he's in remission. We got signed off. We're seeking a second opinion, which is within our right to do. Per Johns Hopkins, they have a whole thing on their website attesting to how you should seek a second opinion. And they said, like, well, you know, they signed off. He's in remission. The tests are good. We're all clear. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, they're being picked up like criminals uh, and being, uh, you know, their their kid is literally taken away from them. They didn't they didn't even have an opportunity to say, no, wait, you know, we are taking him back. We were just getting a second. Op-. They didn't care. It was like too late. We've already decided. So um, you were mentioning that like there there has to be like some middle ground. Well, the judge basically said, no, we're not going to give you any middle ground. We don't feel he felt and he said this. He felt that um, if he said to the couple, make sure that he comes back for treatment, he didn't feel that them saying that they were going to do that was good enough. He felt like they were a flight risk. So he took the kid away from them, basically. But also, I, I understand the like I'm in the same boat with tone. Like, please don't tell me how to parent my child. Please don't tell me how to take care of my child's, you know, when my child is sick, my child's welfare. I understand that we have to be very careful with these things because we don't want children who are actually being neglected or actually being abused falling through the cracks. But 
clearly this is a case of facts being twisted to suit the narrative that they want to to play out. For example, uh, this is 2019. This is taking place in 2019. Back in 2016, mom and dad got in an argument and dad threw like uh, one of those uh, sand pails. He threw the the little plastic toy uh, at her and it flew past her and it hit their kid. So they were using that to say, this is an abusive home. This is an abusive relationship. We should take the child away. So I feel like there were some things that were twisted to suit the narrative that they wanted. Not saying that things like that should be going on in the home, but you know, we're talking 2016 to 2019. And these are relatively young parents. Uh, If you take a look at them, they're relatively young parents. But again, why do you need to take the child away? Why couldn't you, like you said, why couldn't you say, we're going to have you live with for the, you know, for this treatment period, we're going to have you live with mom because the child is with the maternal grandmother right now. So it's not like mom and dad don't have the ability to see him or go to his medical visits, but that he's not living in the home with them. Okay, well, so, I have a couple questions. I don't know if you came across the answers because I couldn't ahead, find them. Is what, what I'm confused by is if the child was in remission when they took right. him to go uh, have this other opinion, is there some kind of thing about, okay, even when you're in remission, when you're treating a child for leukemia, they basically have chemo for this many weeks and it doesn't, even if they're in remission, we're making sure the preliminary tests are saying they're in remission, but we're going to keep giving them chemo for one more, two more cycles before we stop. What was going to be the protocol? What was going to, is the kid still being treated with chemotherapy as we speak? Because if he was, if he was diagnosed as being, clear you know weeks ago is he still being treated uh, for leukemia yes so it's my understanding from what i read is that you can show that you are in signs of remission as early as two weeks of these treatments and so he got the 10 days of chemotherapy but that was not the end of his chemotherapy he had at least one more treatment that they were recommending that he have and then because they want him to stay in remission they would want him to go for treatments for the next two to three years. And I think that's where the parent's concern was like, wait a second, we're not fully in agreement with Johns Hopkins on this. We want to get a second opinion and see if maybe there's some other hospital out there. But my question is, okay, for two to three years, two to three years of like what? Weekly chemo, monthly chemo, bi-monthly? It didn't say, but it did say chemo. Because to me, what I don't understand about the parents and my issue, and I can see why the judge was upset, was it's one thing to get a second opinion. It's the idea that my kid's appointment for the chemotherapy is on Thursday. Then on on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, that is when you go to get a second opinion. That's when you send the records to another uh, to another city. This kid is sick and going through a lot of stuff. I don't even know if they actually physically needed the kid there. They could send the records to uh, another facility and have mm-hmm. them review them. Send the blood work to that other facility um, and to not make this kid go through a journey. But if they hit, did need physically need him there, why not wait until after he had his treatment, then take him? Um, so that is to me, I can see why as a judge, why I, he might be concerned yeah. uh, or she might be concerned. And one of the things I would have done if I was even their attorney, I would have said, look, I understand you think my clients are a flight risk, 
they are willing to wear ankle ankle monitors to basically right. prove that they're not going yeah. to leave. They're willing to turn over like, you know, I don't know if they have passports, but are, they're willing to turn over whatever they have to do to keep their child because it is yeah. the kid is going through such a stressful time and to not be able to have his mother and his father tuck him in at night is a tragedy. So to me, there has to be some kind of middle ground. But I do feel that the parents were hinky in this. It doesn't make sense to me that they wouldn't have got that they would be out of t- even if they said they got cleared to go have another opinion. That's mm-hmm. that's different from have, having another opinion and missing that appointment are two different things. They acted as but, if they but, had but, to but, miss but the here's, appointment. But here's the thing too. Like here's the thing too. Like I can make an appointment with my doctor, but it's, isn't it my choice as a parent as to whether or not I want to take my kid to that appointment? If I feel like that hospital is not serving my child's best interests, I should have the right to take my child to another doctor regardless of whether he's in the middle or she's in the middle of treatment. Oh, no, I'm not if saying no. I don't feel I'm that saying, hospital. Right. No, but I'm but saying I'm, like, they ahead. really felt. So I didn't say this, but um, as I, I dug a little deeper, they really felt like hospital was not doing their child justice. Their child was um, potty trained, but they put him in a diaper and they let him in a crib. So there were, they felt kind of like, yes, you're supposed to be treating our children, you know, my child here. But I, it's almost like you're really not looking at his best interest. So so from my perspective, when I was reading the story and I was looking at all the different stories and combining all the information together, my thought was like, is this a case, another case of big pharma just looking to make a buck? Like, oh, we got to keep this kid here because, you know, chemo is big money for us versus, and I mean, and Johns Hopkins, I'm sure gets lots of money and lots of grants and lots of uh, funding. So, you know, is this money out of their pocket if they allow this child to leave versus uh, let's keep them here and let's keep these, um, this treatment going. Um, and hopefully Johns Hopkins will not unfollow me on Twitter now that I've said that. But uh, I do, I do kind of feel like, there, there's also something kind of shady going on here with the hospital because if if you're saying that, I mean, like one appointment, really, you're calling CPS for one appointment being missed? That seems a little bit odd. I, I mean, according to the mom, she did a Facebook Live and she said um, that they called a thousand times. We left and we went up to Kentucky. We just wanted the time to get our second opinion. But authorities in the state located them and transferred uh, Noah back to Florida under the care of Child Protective Services. So they really felt like the way that the hospital was handling things was not in the best interest of their child. So they felt like, so, let's go someplace else and get a second opinion. What did they, okay, now, okay, I hate to be ugly or weird about this, but did, did they even find, did they have an appointment scheduled at another facility when, because that would have come out to me in court, because my question would be, A, why did you miss that appointment or why would you schedule, to me, the window to go travel to another state would be, you get your you get your kid gets his uh, treatment of chemo and then you get it in your car and that's when you're heading to another place to get him another opinion and then you can actually say when when you're getting those thousand calls from from John Hopkins oh mm-hmm. our child is now under the care of Doctor so and so at Doctor such and such facility and yeah. so that's what's happening so they could say well yes he's being treated by someone else so then they would John Hopkins would know that we're out of what the ball has been passed the torch has been passed to somebody else we know the child is getting treatment there's no reason to call cps yeah the problem is is that they were uneducated that's the bottom line they were uneducated because if they knew that there were organizations that handle things like this they could have followed the protocol for because this is not uncommon this happens all the time to parents 
who are having their kids treat, you know, treated for things. And then they decide that they don't want to have their kids treated for chemo or, or whatever. Um, so this is like a thing that happens there. It's, it, there's a term there. They call it medical kidnapping. Um, and apparently it happens enough that there's an actual website that is dedicated to it. And there's, um, a whole movement now. Um, there's a, I guess like a documentary called flipping the script. And if you go to that particular site, flippingthescript.com, it literally tells you what the steps are to do to make sure that you don't end up in this type of situation. And, and basically, it's, it, it, it breaks it down. And it's like, um, uh, if you're going to stop chemo, uh, you need to uh, first get an attorney, which they didn't do. They did the, They got the attorney after because they just weren't educated. They didn't realize like, hey, the, you know, the government can take away our, you know, the, the authorities can take away our kid. But um, flipping the script.com says, if you're going to stop chemo, the first thing to do is get an attorney and get a new health team in place. Then call your hospital and oncologist and tell them that you're going to be transferring care and then educate Child Protective Services on the facts about childhood cancer. And you can only really do that if you have the right medical team in place that's going to walk you through the alternatives to chemotherapy. They just knew that this was something they wanted to do, so they took it upon themselves to do it without really realizing what the ramifications were going to be. And 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 so now they're dealing with the ramifications, basically. Well, yeah, because the more I hear, the more I can... Now I'm actually starting to see why the judge was thinking what he was thinking, because they did not... To me, what their their behavior doesn't make any logical sense to me. That this wasn't about getting a second opinion as much as stopping their child from getting chemotherapy. Because if it was about a second opinion, you can get your, his next treatment of chemotherapy and then drive him to a new facility and have them look at and see if they agree with the with the protocol that's being done at the hospital he's currently being treated in. So mm-hmm. this was about stopping chemotherapy. This wasn't about getting a second opinion. And so that's well, what did. I believe the judge did what the judge did. Yeah. I'm and, not saying I agree I, with it, but that's clear. Yeah. I mean, there's two camps. So there's like the narrative that says that they were trying to get a second opinion and that they did and they were on board with chemotherapy. But if you really look at the facts, um, they're 100% um, organic and like homeopathy and all about like natural treatments. So I think what they and she's and she said it like she really wanted to and she was having him treated um in in a more natural way with things like um colloidal silver and other types of things um to help boost his immune system um and and fight the cancer like alkaline and all these other treatments that um you know i guess don't have the same exact studies as chemo but but in reality, um, if you if you if you take a look at the facts, um, not not all chemo actually kills cancer stem cells. So in their eyes, they were like, well, we want to we want to do something that isn't going to be damaging our child immediately. And then also for the long term. So I think it, for, you know, I understand the idea like like you, I had uh, my father passed away from cancer. So I ha- I have that cut that cancer connection. And my father, you know, the first thing he, he, he was able to do was give, be given the choice. Do you want chemo or don't you? And he actually opted out. I wish he would have opted in, but he opted out. And I had to respect that. I don't know how I would have felt 
if he was forced to have chemo against his will. And as parents, it's our job to make the decisions for our children, what we feel is in our children's best interest. So as a parent, for a judge to step in and say, no, I'm going to make the decision of what's in the best interest of your child. You know, I appreciate that. I understand that. But I think also um, he he should have maybe been, uh, maybe brought in some some experts other than the hospital that the child was being treated at to say like, okay, well, what are, are there any proven natural remedies? If they want a second opinion, can we get some doctors in here? Pick a hospital. Let me Let me do that for you, right? Like work with them a little bit. But I don't feel like he worked with them at all. I think he just felt like, I know what's best. I'm going to tell you what's best. And this is what we're going to do. And and now they're dealing with the ramifications of that. Um, and in reality, uh, they they probably could have had their way and done what they wanted to do if they actually uh, maybe did a little bit of research and realized that there are organizations out there that can give them the guidelines and help them walk walk you know help walk them through the process of that so so yeah i um i'm i have to say as far as my my feelings go uh i'm not a fan of uh authorities stepping in and saying what parents should or shouldn't do with their children but i understand it's also a fine line we don't want children who are actually being abused and neglected to fall through the cracks so well, like I said, this is this is reminiscent of all these these. There's been many battles like this with uh, the uh, the Church of Christian Science, where they yeah. don't believe in any kind of medicine. And there's kids that have died from like minor infections because they would not let them be treated with antibiotics. Yeah. So that's the that's their choice, and some some people believe that's their religion, and so they should be allowed to just not treat their child other than just with prayer. Mm-hmm. So uh, honestly, I feel like. I don't have a problem with the judge forcing the child to have chemotherapy, especially since this is so proven to work. My issue is that there's no middle ground as far as in having yeah. keeping the family together. Yeah. Uh, there has to be some kind of middle ground, I think. So we're not going to settle this one. So <laughs> let's move on to th- we've settled all the other issues in the world, but not this. This one is the just one that we could was above our pay grade here at last mm-hmm. weekly. So what else is going on? Comedian Dave Chappelle and popular YouTuber PewDiePie both experienced calls to be canceled this week for things they said. Dave Chappelle, who just released a new Netflix comedy special, Sticks and Stones, found himself the target of online outrage for what some people consider to be crude, offensive jokes, while PewDiePie found himself in his own controversy for announcing he was going to donate $50,000 to the Anti-Defamation League, an organization dedicated to fighting anti-Semitism and hate, which two years ago called for PewDiePie to be let go by Disney because of jokes that the YouTuber made on his channel about Nazis that were misinterpreted by mainstream media coverage. Do you think cancel culture is out of control in 2019 or is it quite the opposite? People are finally being held accountable for what they say and do. I think these are two completely different uh, situations, but they're, they're, they're very related. I don't, I watched uh, Sticks and Stones and I think Dave Chappelle is, is a, he's hilarious. He's a, he's a funny man. And I, unfortunately, as, as a, as a, what they call a young generation Xer, um, or, 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 or almost an old millennial. I'm, I'm really a generation Xer. Um, I really feel that that comedy, unfortunately, has been under attack under in the last, um, 10 years. Um, there's been, 
honestly, it's 2019. I understand it's a lot of good things have happened as far as moving people forward, um, being more accepting of, of everyone. But uh, I really feel like I don't agree with everything Dave Chappelle did in his skit. And he made and he said things that obviously I wouldn't say. But I do, just like Kevin, agree with him. He should be able to, to say those things. And I also find it really interesting that people had to watch his special to get offended. Don't watch his special. He said it in his special. He's like, you clicked on my face if you're upset for what I did. So I, I really think Dave Chappelle should, should be able to lot, say what Dave Chappelle says. And you are able to you know ignore Dave Chappelle or get upset about what he says. But in comedy, people should be allowed to, to say what they want in comedy because that's what comedy is about. It's an art form. And there's always going to be people who are penalized when they say something wrong in comedy. Uh, let's think about Kramer, for example. Um, he obviously said something on stage that was not acceptable. And ever since, Kramer's been, I would say Kramer from, from Seinfeld's been canceled ever since that. So if yeah, they should Michael, post Michael something Michael Richardson, yeah, because I keep thinking of Kramer. So if Dave Chappelle says, thank you, Kevin, if Dave Chappelle says something that offensive, then you, you'll stop listening to him. But I don't think we need to censor uh, comedy. And as far as PewDiePie, um, he basically, he he donated, he, he, he hit 100 million subscribers, which is a crazy amount of followers. I, I, I never thought I would live in an age where people would have that many people tuning into what they do. So he hit a YouTube made two specific plaques, um, plaques, one for 100 million subscribers for T-Series, which is a, which is a YouTube channel. That also um, has over 100 million subscribers and one for PewDiePie. So while PewDiePie hit this momentous occasion, he did a video where he in the video, he said he would also donate $50,000 to a charity, which happened to be, like you said, the Anti-Defamation League. A lot of people took offense to this, specifically his fans, because they thought this was him caving to a politically correct culture or to an organization that tried to bully him. And a lot of YouTubers um are or against the anti-defamation league because they believe they're actually a censorship organization when they don't agree with someone's um what they're saying they, they aim to censor them and cut off their access to, to a platform so a lot of youtubers were against pewdiepie and were resenting pewdiepie and saying cancel pewdiepie because not only are you caving to these people in, in their opinion but you're also then funding an organization which is gonna um actually cut down on free speech now i for one think that there is a there is a there's a problem with a lot of people on youtube and the things they say but i don't know if censoring people on youtube is the right thing to do either i really think that there's a balance, and I understand YouTube is a private enterprise. They can censor whoever they right. want. It's 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 private, but I do think that it's a slippery slope when we start saying, "Hey, I don't like what this person is saying. Uh, we should censor him." Um, and this is again connected to Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, we should, I don't think we should censor Dave Chappelle. They should be able to say whatever he wants, and like I said, you should be able to get offended as you want. But this whole um, we're gonna censor people and kick them off of platforms. I'm not sure. I definitely agree with that. Uh, what do you guys think? Okay, um, I really have a problem, honestly, with, um, <laughs> this is going to be super controversial, the synopsis and what you said, Tone, because you don't even go into why PewDiePie was even dealing with the Anti-Defamation -Def uh, League. What was the genesis of this? What were the racist things or uh, the the uh, anti-Semitic things that he was doing and saying? And the fact that the, the, the connection to the Christchurch massacre, 
that's these are come pretty big things to leave out of the synopsis and out of this discussion well i did say he was misinterpreted let let me just say that there's two there there's what the media is saying about pewdiepie and then there's what people who actually been following pewdiepie for a while on youtube uh, know about pewdiepie so pewdiepie was uh his first controversy was because he basically he did some things on he did a, he did a, he did a couple youtube videos in one, he actually paid some people in a foreign country to hold a sign that said, I hate Jews. And I, I think this was incredibly distasteful and it can be considered anti-Semitic, but PewDiePie has a really messed up sense of humor. And a lot of people obviously don't believe that's the case. But if you follow him long enough through his videos, you would notice that he's not a racist, but he just he has, a twisted, has a, really, a twisted sense of humor. Yeah, a really bad sense of yeah. humor. He, he does a lot of times there's a lot of co- comics who fail. And they're allowed to fail. And I feel like PewDiePie, unfortunately, did it in front of a lot of people. He failed. And now he knows he can't do that type of humor. And he has said some things that I don't think that are humorous. Like the time that he said the N-word when he was talking to someone on on a video. He was playing a game and he got upset. So I'm not going to defend that point. But I'm saying a lot of the things that he he did say um, were kind of taken out of context for uh, in the mainstream media. And the Christchurch shooter did um, mention PewDiePie. And that's part of the reason that that he felt that he had to donate the money because he, he thought, even though PewDiePie believed that from what he said, that he believed that his message has never been one of hate, he feels he feels responsible for the fact that some people might have misinterpreted his message to be one of hate because they didn't, they didn't understand that he wasn't speaking of hate. He was trying to just, he filled that humor. But you can clarify it further if you want. Kelly. Okay, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just felt like those were two huge things not to uh, enter into the discussion. Why the Anti-Defamation League, why he was not uh, donating money to, you know, uh, guide, uh, uh, guide Dogs for the Blind. There was a reason why that charity was the one that he initially said he was going to do, uh, donate to. And what's interesting to me is the whole people feeling about censorship and cancel culture, that they were about to cancel PewDiePie for donating money to that organization that they're apparently trying to silence. So there's, to me, tons of hypocrisy there. And the fact that he kind of apologized for that he was going to donate to them and now says that he's going to do research and that he didn't really look into them, but now he's going to do research and donate to some other charity that has not been named yet. So he's claiming he's still going to give this $50,000 to a charity, but I don't know uh, what it's going to be. And he hasn't shared that. So I don't know if it's going to be something that also is dealing with uh, anti-Semitism hopefully if uh supposedly that one isn't good enough or and to me it says a whole lot that his fans uh were willing to cancel him for donating money to an organization against you know uh bigotry and and anti-semitism and the idea of this whole thing i'm i'm tired of this word being used censorship please will people please get a friggin dictionary censorship means something outside like the government telling you what you can and cannot say but me a citizen or anybody else as a citizen saying oh you know what i don't like dave Chappelle, and i'm not going to listen to dave Chappelle. and if netflix keeps doing business with him and giving part of my money to him i'm dropping netflix that is not censorship. That is me basically choosing to speak with my dollars. You speak with your dollars in all kinds of ways. Who you give your money to and who you don't give your money to. So if I'm giving my money to Chick-fil-A, I am also giving that money to an organization that has uh, supported candidates who are worked to, st- uh, to uh, stop gay rights. So I can choose not to give money to people who are going to hand it to people they're going to try and stop you know 
of uh, uh, freedom for of the uh, for the LGBT community. Now the Dave Chappelle thing, uh, as far as in the things that he said that are like supposedly like the people are using terms like maybe distasteful, or whatever. One of the things that he he said in his sh- uh, his series, uh, I mean in the special, was uh, he thought that it was effing. Uh, a hilarious predicament to be uh, referring to transgender people to be trapped in the uh, the wrong body, uh, laughing while saying it, and he, and so then he basically said uh, that like, well, that's like me being a black man uh, saying that I'm uh, that I'm really actually Chinese, and then he goes into this whole racist Chinese accent thing, and all I could think about how effing uh, hilarious predicament when I think of all the transgender people that have been murdered i wonder how effing hilarious they found it as they were being beaten to death i wonder how hilarious it was for them probably less funny for them than it was for dave Chappelle. so i i I, uh, the idea that when he goes into this whole count uh cancel culture critique um it comes from somebody who i feel like just who's been rich for way too long and the, the the his sympathies lie with other people like him when he's talking about the fact that he feels like someone like uh, uh Louis C.K. what he suffered and how he's had death by masturbation because he was masturbating chronically in front of his employees that had no choice but to have to stand the women had to stand there and take that and deal with that. So his sympathies lie with him, not with the women that had to tolerate that to keep their job. So it's just interesting to me where his sympathies lie and um, and the idea that he has to, to be funny. He has to degrade other groups. At one point, he talks about shouldn't he be able because because he can say the N word, shouldn't be he be able to use the F word, a, a gay pejorative? Should he be able to say that? Uh, personally, I have a problem with the N word. Anybody saying it? Uh, and I'll say why I have a problem with it. I can't remember who she was quoting, but Oprah talked about once how she said that what changed that word for her was the fact that when she heard someone say the reason why they don't use the N word is that's the last word that so many people heard was the N word yelled at them as they swung from a tree and and were breathing their last breath. Mm -hmm. That's enough for me. I don't need to say that. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how dark you are, how light you are. We can that word needs to just be put to put to rest. It was always a a, a, a tool of hate, and I don't care if people. Are, oh, I was using it in a loving way. Yeah, no. Um. So, uh, one of the uh, one comedian I want to mention uh, uh comments about uh who happens to be a a gay comedian said uh his name is uh Guy uh uh Barman or or Berman uh B R A N U M. Uh, he tweeted like, you know, a comedian should support each other. He, and, and, in response to that, he said, uh, uh, and one way Dave Chappelle, uh, could support me more is by stop calling me a, a F word. Uh, call me that less. That's how he can support him. So I just, the, I, the, again, this is the same person. Uh, and I do agree when he mentioned the thing, like you clicked on my face. I have not clicked on his face. I've never understood the people that claim that Dave Chappelle is a comic genius. I've never gotten that. It's always been hate-filled. It's always been ignorant. It's always been ugly. And so this is nothing new. This is the same man that when Chris Brown beat the crap out of Rihanna, like his joke was, oh, well, I wonder what she did. Mm. That He's that same guy. He's the same guy. 
So th- the people that are coming to the cancellation party now, you're late because some of us have been here for friggin' years. All right, it's up. To, it's on on you, Trish. Wow, that was uh, like a mic drop moment. Uh, how does one respond to that? I'm not a fan of Dave Chappelle. I don't watch him. I'm in the same boat with you. I don't really find him funny. I find him offensive. So uh, I, I too, am not one of those people who clicked on his face. But, but let me say this. Okay, so let me take it. Let me walk back one step. So we were talking about censorship. So censorship does not have to be by a government organization. Censorship in general is basically the suppression or prohibition of any type of film or book or news or art, anything that's considered obscene or politically unacceptable or a threat to security. So it could, you know, it doesn't have to be the government that's doing that. Um, it could just there could be censorship from all all different kinds of ways but but i think you're right i mean i don't think we i don't think censorship is the same as cancel culture i mean i think we have and you said this many times like you have the right to say whatever you want to say and we have the right not to listen to it we have the right not to buy your material we have the right not to click on your hbo special we have the right not to buy your album your music your mo- you know whatever So, um, I think censorship is a little different. So cancel culture, I don't think it's out of control. I do think that people are incredibly hypersensitive, but I also think that people are not being responsible also in the things that they say. And I also think that there are a lot of people who say things just to get attention. And I don't know if, uh, Dave Chappelle falls into that category, or uh, PewDiePie falls into that category because, again, he's not someone that I watch uh, regularly, but I do – I mean, I don't watch him at all, so not never mind regularly. I don't watch him at all. I know who he is. I know that he exists. Um, I knew that he got canceled um, and let go by Disney. I knew that it was because of, you know, Nazi jokes and all of that. But, see, I didn't have the context. But for me, Nazi jokes just aren't funny anyway. Um, and so, like I said to my daughter rather recently – Yeah, I I get that people make jokes, but who's laughing at those jokes? So I personally, myself, I look at things like, would I want someone to say that to me? Would I want someone to say that about me? And I just feel like I appreciate art. I truly do. I appreciate music. I appreciate film. I appreciate art in all its forms. I love comedy. But if it makes you cringe, um, maybe it's really not funny. So uh, I don't, I I find a lot of comedians, it's funny how they make jokes about racism, but I find a lot of comedians to be racist themselves. And if they're not racist, well, they sure are coming across that way by the things that they say or sexist or whatever. So uh, yeah, he's just not someone that I enjoy. He's not someone that I would watch. I saw him once. I didn't find him funny. And that was enough for me. Uh, And I feel that way about other comedians. There's some other comedians that I feel that way about too. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're going to do anything today, regardless of how big or how small you are, you really need to think about what you're saying and be responsible about what you're saying. And and unfortunately, I think for some people, it, it isn't just the fact that they're not being responsible. I think that this is how some people are raised. This is their belief system. This is who they are. It's not a matter of, oh, this this is a funny joke. Let me say this. I think for some people, this is who they are at their core. Oh, uh, you so, know what? I got to uh, go ahead. 
So it's not a matter of like, oh, this is funny. Let me just write this in the show or let me see if I can get a reaction. I think for, for many people, this is who they are at their core. They don't even realize that what they're saying is not appropriate. Oh, no. Okay, this is where I disagree with you. Oh, I agree with you that it's definitely I mean, no, who I'm they, not saying everyone, who, but I'm saying that there are some people who are so completely and totally out of touch. Not not just I'm not saying Dave Chappelle is one of those people, but I'm saying that there are people who have absolutely no clue that there is some other way of living than the way that they've been raised their whole life to believe and to see and to think. You know what I mean? I think people sometimes are just so oblivious that what they're doing is wrong because maybe they are so high and mighty that no one has pointed it out to them. Maybe they're so buffered by their big dollars and their big money that no one would dare say to them, you are out of your damn mind, you know? So... I absolutely feel that we need to uh, go a little bit further into some of the things that he said. Like one of the things he said in in the special, which I did not see, I just read like the transcript. Oh, he said so uh, many offensive things, like so, so many things. Many offensive and, but one things. of the things, and and to me, we you mentioned the word about just shock value. It's not about being funny. It's just about being shocking. It's just like yeah. Yeah. yes, I said it, and like I'm a big man because I'm basically making fun of pedophilia. Uh, I, I'm not even making fun of pedophiles. I'm making fun of pe- victims of pedophilia. Uh, that's how badass yeah. I am. So one of the things he said like he a he didn't believe uh uh two of the uh of the men that were in the fighting neverland special on hbo and even if even if they were telling the truth it basically kind of got what they deserved because he said that you know trips to hawaii aren't free and they knew that when they were uh that that uh, there was going to be a cost and that michael jackson would have whatever he wanted uh uh uh, after showing the families a good time and giving them gifts and um also saying that you know he's not a pedophile but if he were the first one that he like you know he i'll say hump uh would be uh macaulay culkin uh just uh anyway just the glee with which the and just what another thing that just bugs me but just the victimization the idea that comedy is under attack the idea that it's so hard to be on stage and be funny and not say homophobic and racist things how can i possibly be funny if i'm not doing horribly racist chinese dialects how, how can you how can you be expected to be i love comedy i am a comedy writer i uh the idea that there's no way to be funny unless you are offending people uh, uh, who are not on the highest rung of society to start with, that is to me sickening. There are plenty of comedians out there who manage to be funny and manage to get big without being super gross and uh, making, making their money by stepping on other people. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you can be absolutely funny without having to tear people down and without having to be um with with just I, I think you can just be funny without having to be so derogatory across the board. And I I'm also not a fan of people who just gratuitously use foul language. I think you can be funny without using foul language every other word. The same with movies. I just find like there I think there are times when it's appropriate Um, because, you know, even though I'm a mom and I try very much, very hard not to use foul language, there are times when it slips out. Like you go, oh my God, like something just comes out. I think there are times when that, when that is appropriate in a movie or in a show, but I don't think that it needs to be every other word. So 
So, yeah, I just feel like, um, yeah, I don't think truly comedy is under attack. I think people are really being held, having their feet held to the fire by their behavior and by the way for that. For the very um, first time, for the very in first history, time, people in are history. being called out for saying super racist things, super homophobic things, super yeah. sexist things. And one other thing I want to point out, it's not the idea that you can't talk about a certain kind of subject. There's no subject that to me that's off limits. It's the right. way you go about it. Like one of the things he said, like, the whole thing about like trips to Hawaii, uh, 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 the, uh, those trips aren't free. Basically, the idea of t- attacking the parents who put their children right. in the care of Michael Jackson, they deserve to be gone after. And how, how could they not know that something is hinky about this man in his 30s and 40s whose best friends are 11 and 8 year olds? Yeah. Um, would any other non-billionaire... Uh, um, uh, would you let like some other 40 year old guy just like oh hey can your kid come over and sleep in my bed sure no they have to be yeah. some eccentric millionaire that's basically going to be flying you all around the world then yes you, oh, you can your, my kid can sleep in your uh, sleep in uh, bed with you so there's definitely um things you can go after things you can talk about i i'm i'm not claiming that 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 a good comedian can talk about all kinds of things in sure. interesting ways um yeah. uh, so that's not what i'm saying i'm talking about basically attacking people who've been the most victimized by our society and then being upset how dare you um uh, uh say something about my comedy how dare you my my job is to be edgy um I, so how dare you have a problem with this it's about free speech it's like yes it is about free speech you be free to say what your, what your horrible racist homophobic sexist things mm-hmm. and me be free to say that netflix if you keep giving money to dave Chappelle, you'll stop getting money from me right all right so it's time for us to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> kevin let me just add something at the end um I, I I would never try to read out loud the the transcript of his show because it it just it's just terrible thing after terrible thing, and um, but I I do think Dave Chappelle did it all on purpose. The show is called Sticks and Stones, and by us talking about it and everybody talking about it, I think he actually won because. I think he was purposely trying to, to, to bait us. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. This was about shock value. And it's about basically saying how big he is that he can do this and no one can basically stop him. So it's like, oh, look at how powerful I am. I'm able to stomp on uh, on transgender women who are routinely being killed and nobody's going to jail for it. So that just shows how tough I am that mm-hmm. I'm able to do that. So it's just like, yes, that's impressive, Dave Chappelle impressive so yes i guess he won and um i guess people who support uh not treating people like trash because they're different from you lost this one so agreed all right so let's move on to our favorite part of the show which hopefully be a little less controversial (laughs) a little thing we (laughs) like to call Trailer, trailer talk. talk. Trailer talk. Trailer talk. Trailer talk. Trailer talk. <laughs> All righty, Kevin. Before we get to trailer talk, can you please tell our listeners what is our patented last weekly rating system? Yes, it is patented. All right. So uh, it works. Uh, it's very complicated, but I'm going to break it down for you guys as simply as possible. Let me get my lab coat and my glasses. All right. Pencil behind the ear. I'm ready to go. All right, so 
there uh we're, when we're reviewing trailers we're looking to see if the trailer did its job when it comes to a movie did it actually make you want to put on pants leave your actual house and pay money and watch movie in a room full of strangers if it did its job then you give that movie trailer a movie theater but if the trailer was kind of okay and you might check it out one day on a streaming service then you give that trailer a netflix if you're still subscribed to them after dropping them because of uh, dave Chappelle. anyway um and if a trailer did not do its job at all and you they took two minutes of your life you can never get back then you give that trailer a kill now when it comes to reviewing tv shows it's even simpler either you give it a tune in or turn off so tone what's our first victim our first trailer is c c is an upcoming drama series it's on apple tv plus original created for the upcoming apple streaming service it stars jason momoa alfrey woodard yadira Guevara. Prip, Nestor Cooper, Sylvia Hoax, Christian Carmango, Hera Hilmer, and Archie Madigweek. Kevin, what's the synopsis <laughs> for this one? <laughs> no, those, were, those are some tough names because if I was reading it, they'd be out of the cast. So, <laughs> and Jane Smith, she's now the star of the show. All right. (laughs) Okay. In C, far into a dystopian future, the human race has lost its sense of sight, and society has to find new ways to interact, build, hunt, and to survive. All of that is challenged when a set of twins with sight is born. All right, Danger. What did you think of Apple TV Plus's C? Okay, well, it has Jason Momoa in it, so uh, yeah, I like that. And I love Alfre Woodard in everything that she does. So, <laughs> so uh, I thought that that the trailer was very intriguing. Uh, Jason Momoa is, you know, typical Jason Momoa. He's big. He's bulky. He's got long hair. Um, so nothing new there. He looks great as usual. So uh so far I'm on board. I'm watching and then they they start, you know, they start talking over the trailer and uh, they say some say sight was taken from them by God to heal the earth. And I was like, Arr! "Now wait a minute. Is that really how we want to portray God?" I mean, are we really going there? I find it so frustrating when when movies like throw God into the mix or trailers throw God into the mix and they always make God like this evil, angry, ugly God who does things like, oh, you're not taking care of the earth, so we're going to make you go blind. There are people that are probably going to watch this movie who are maybe on the fence and, and think like, oh wow, I never thought about God like that. Could this be? So I was kind of offended when I when I saw that. I was like, hmm, I'm not loving that. But nonetheless, I kept going and uh, I watched and I think it's going to be very intriguing. I found it very interesting. This is my genre. I really enjoy these types of movies. And the cast seemed really good. Uh, so I would say for me, most definitely, I think it's going to be very intriguing. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think that the visuals are going to be great. Um, I can tell you that um, Sylvia Hoax as Queen Kane, as soon as she started talking in the trailer, I was like, she's going to annoy me. Her voice, I don't know why, like she speaks well, 
But the way that they have her talking in this movie, it's kind of slow and annoying. And I'm one of those people that you don't want to sit next to in the movie theater or even on the couch. Because let's face it, I do kind of talk to the TV. I would be complaining about her probably through the whole entire movie because her voice just, I don't know if it was how something about it just was driving me bananas in the trailer. So I know it's going to drive me bananas in the movie, in, you know, in the movie. So um, with that being said, I'm going to say that I will tune in and I will probably tune in because again, this is my genre and hello, Jason Momoa. (laughs) So funny that you, what you pointed out, because one of the reasons why you had your trepidation is one of the exact reasons why I want to watch this because uh, the whole, um, uh, the line is some say sight was taken from them by God to heal the earth made me instantly intrigued i'm instantly buying it and this is why um before we had science a lot of a lot of everything that happened there were gods for like different religions had gods for everything there's a god that makes the sun go up there's a god that makes the sun set there's a god that the the goddess of corn that makes the corn grow there was there were they had gods to describe everything so the idea that hundreds and hundreds of years from now when history is lost due to everybody losing their sight a lot of history is lost it's all going to be a, like a lot of myth and legend there's even later said in the trailer with the idea that some wonder some believe that the, that the idea that people were ever able to see is a myth they don't believe mm-hmm. it's even that was even ever true because their memory is my grandmother never was able to see her great-grandmother was never able to see we don't know anybody that ever saw this is just some kind of story. That's just like that's just like you people don't believe that unicorns exist, but rich people know they're real. That's so <laughs> they have access to them. They keep them from us regular people. But anyway, um, so the whole idea that they're that they have they're making up reasons to try and explain what they can't explain. That is what people have done since the beginning of time. They've they've they put that on some other force that's making the volcano god is angry let's throw a virgin into it to basically <laughs> soothe it that is a real thing i mean it's a joke thing from Moo, but that was a real people believe that that would they could yeah. they could calm the calm god down by th- throwing a vir what well, i always wonder like why did god always want virgins as opposed to like if i'm like well you know i want an experienced girl throw her in here well because you know, they weren't putting so. out they were not putting out so they had no use for them yeah <laughs> That's a good one. We'll keep, you know, yeah, you can have the virgin. We'll keep the girls know. They, they, we will keep the girls know what they're doing here with us. I mean, wouldn't that be incentive? Like, if you were a virgin, would that not be an incentive for you to? Oh have my sex? god, to like, instantly put out, like, you know what? Like, you know, I, I think I'll, I, I think that maybe I will go all the way as opposed to the volcano mm, thing. See, so, <laughs> so yeah. So to me, the whole I'm fascinated by the whole. I am already bought into this idea of what would the world be like if all of a sudden nobody had the ability to see that mean cars cars are over with we're not driving nobody's driving we're not driving very far so (laughs) well no because like let's let's not forget about teslas now (laughs) well they might need to be worked on at one point they may drive by for you for a couple of minutes but after they break down who's gonna fix it if nobody can see (laughs) so eventually a few generations from now even the teslas will come to a stop so anyway to me the whole the only the only flaw i can see in this no pun intended see wink um is one of the things jason momoa says at the beginning of it and there's no explanation for this and i need to see the show just to have this answered for me he's all like something's different about these babies i think they can see i'm like based on what 
I have okay, the answer. Well, th- well think th- about please it, Please right? help me. Because I know I was trying to figure that out, too. So I figured, like, how would he know, right? Like, how would he know? Yes. He can't see. He can hear them looking? What is he do- What is well, happening? Well, I mean, imagine, like, if somebody walks by and the baby is turning its head and following that person pacing back and forth or whatever, he might be like, oh, wait a second. There's something really different about this kid. How are they but the babies? But the baby, is, the baby is following the sound of the footsteps. The baby can hear the just like that. Basically, they're using their sense of, of hearing and, and there's all those other senses become more heightened. So the baby just is listening. I'm sorry, Danger. You're being incredibly dangerous. I think it's because of uh, Jason Momoa's hotness is clouding your judgment <laughs> because Perhaps. it does not make any logical sense that a, these are these are newborn like babies. These are hardcore babies, and the hardcore. fact that he can just he can feel them seeing is just like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> so now. trust me. Trust me, when watch when when the actual movie comes out, you're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, Danger knew what she was talking about." All right, I'm a fan of Justin Momoa too, even though he looks like he could always use a, a hardcore shower. Speaking of hardcore yeah. things, yeah, he's, God, just the shampoo alone, just oh my God, suds him up, mm. and, and a and a razor too, as far as that I'm concerned. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's another story. All right, so t- oh, I didn't even answer. So yes, the answer for me is an absolute. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by Jason Momoa in the shower, I think. But anyway. <laughs> As we all do. So, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to Apple TV Plus, <laughs> C, due to the fact that the, the, the there's actually going to be a free trial for the first month, I'm absolutely going to check out C. Like you, I am a huge fan of a free water. I would watch that woman read a phone book if they still yeah. existed. I yeah. would watch her do it. Um, so I would, I, you know what? I would watch her read Google results, search results. Mm-hmm. That's oh, how incredible actress she is. So That's, I'm wow. absolutely in. Can't wait. I don't know how they're going to release the show. If they're going to release it one episode of a week. Maybe I won't be able to see the whole series, but I'm definitely in. So, Tone, what did you think of C? You guys are not going to be happy with me because I'm going to come in and Voldemort this whole thing right now. <laughs> don't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So so basically Jason Momoa is playing the same type of character <laughs> that we already have seen him play countless times. But this time he, he can't won't... see. That's how yes. that's why it's different. It's so he can't different. I can't see it's this so show. Different. That's what I can't see. And I think he has and one he... less tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see Frontier on Netflix? This is basically Frontier. This is basically Kyle Drago from Game of Thrones. This is Jason Momoa just playing Jason Momoa. We've seen enough of this. I saw Aquaman, and and, and I say I'm a Stargate Atlantis fan, so I started watching Jason Momoa early, like uh, even before he became Aquaman. I was on to the Jason Momoa train. But come on, the last three things I've seen him, and he is playing basically himself. And the premise of the show is ridiculous. Aww. If you want, if you want to make a show about people who can't see. I'm surprised more people who who were visually uh, who were blind, uh, visually challenged, didn't have a problem with the synopsis of the show. So basically, everyone's blind and cannot see, and all of a sudden, these babies are born who can see, and these people who are also blind who are upset by this because things are about to change want to kill these babies. So basically, they're saying that if you can't see, there's something wrong with you, and that it needs to be corrected. 
So I'm surprised that there wasn't some type of backlash over this trailer and the message. And also, where's the science? If these people can't see, we should be talking about a dark earth with no sun. We've actually ventured to the deepest part of the ocean. Well, the, the, the trench, that the deepest part that we can get to. And we discover that down there, there's creatures who are translucent. They have see-through skin because the sun doesn't hit them. And they don't have eyes to see. They can't see anything. They're blind. So if this show wanted to take this, this point a view about a world that people can't see. They should have gone more pitch black. It should have been all dark, and then they're like mole people. I would have bought into that. <laughs> oh, but well, first of all, how broad, are we how would we even watch? It would be no light in the show, Tone. We would just would it be a, no ra- would it be a radio anyway, program. Kevin. Nobody wants to see Jason Momoa looking like a mole man. Yeah, and we, we want yeah we want a lot of light on that. So no, Tone. First of all, <laughs> and the idea why would the why would the blind community be upset? Like as far as in, are they are are, are you think the show is basically saying that black people want to kill babies who can see? This is clearly yes. not an yeah. This yes. is clearly not cancel, an issue. Okay, cancel culture. We need to cancel culture on this. <laughs> well, actually, no. I'm to be to, wait, no. This. To be fair, actually, a lot of there are a lot of people that are visually impaired to different degrees working on this yeah. show. Actors, yes. people behind the scenes, oh, so they are bought okay. in. So it's gonna the, the whole idea of thinking about what it would be like. I do find it fast. How can you not find it fascinating? The idea to see what it would look like if you have a whole society where no one has been able to have the ability to see for hundreds of years how that society would develop and why there might be myths and legends and people that have different views where there would be sick people that think that like no the 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 dark the the people before that could see that had the ability to see they almost destroyed the earth so we have two people that can see now they're gonna have so much power they could destroy us all well we gotta kill those babies and but there's other people who are like no this is wrong we're not we're we're gonna protect these babies at all costs and it's gonna take us like eight exciting episodes to protect them so (laughs) it's gonna gonna be incredibly interesting i'm unbelievably impressed at tone's deep dive into the mariana trench and how he had like scientific research here talking to us about bioluminescence and all of that so i i i give props to tone i mean i can i can also see his point of view on this yeah maybe there could have been some more changes here like i wouldn't mind a, a glowing jason momoa oh god <laughs> <laughs> maybe his, maybe his tattoos can be bioluminescent but <laughs> You know what? You two are obviously not going to be swayed by. Wait, one other by, thing by, I got to say: Miami. this oh, epic. The the look of the show is so incredibly epic. It is so ambitious looking. Oh, I don't know where they shot this at, but it is freaking gorgeous. It is freaking gorgeous backdrop. And if so, only they could afford a real story. Oh, oh, oh my god! Okay, and again, you want mole people? So uh, yeah, I think you've lost all, what, 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 whatever credibility you got from pulling the the bioluminescence out of your bag we'll put it put that way <laughs> it's a family show so <laughs> you lost that credibility by making trying to say which the show should be about mole people in the dark because that's a radio show tone that's a radio show no that's a science fiction show not a show which punishes people that god punishes people makes them blind like that message also should be boycotted well no first of all again it's a they say some say they don't say everybody says that's a <laughs> there's myths oh. there's different beliefs about what happened some people don't 
don't even believe yes. that, that people, you humans ever have the ability to see. So there's different, there's different myths to explain what's happened. Some believe it's all myths and they were always, people never had that ability. I think it's interesting. It's fascinating. Some might say this is really about your resentment at, uh, at Jason Momoa <laughs> because of the fact that maybe your wife is a bigger fan of him than you are. So oh, some okay. might say. She's a Thor fan, actually. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I think Tone is Momoa esque, so I, I don't know. I I, I I completely disagree. I'm not at the Jason Momoa train anymore. <laughs> and let me. I know both of you are fo- are so pro, but are you guys gonna see yourselves paying four ninety nine for this? Like, can you add that into your review? Well, and that's an interesting point. That that's why I mentioned in mine that we're gonna have a, a free month. So I don't know how long the story can basically be. Yeah, uh, what too. is the what? How long can this story go? If this was a movie, absolutely. A TV show, like I'm not even sure how many episodes it's supposed. The season's gonna be. It's we don't know. Eight. This it's could end be... up being another Game of Thrones. You know, oh, it's gonna be eight. It's gonna be twelve. You know, episodes. So the how long is the commitment? Um. So I'm curious about that. But to me. There's other shows. The show that I'm more, most interested in uh, is going to be the morning uh, show uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese oh, Witherspoon yeah. and Steve Carell. So they have that and they have C when they drop. So that's already got my attention. There's a whole bunch of other shows that are supposed to be coming. But how many will be available on launch day is the question. But have they is this enough for me to spend like five even if they didn't have the free trial for to spend five dollars for a month to see if this could be worth me spending money on yes the this looks so ambitious this looks so rich and expensive and now that i know that they are basically going after they're trying to take down hbo then i'll be like oh yes bring down that juggernaut take down that dragon because i'm still mad at them for not giving us an aria spinoff so they need slay that dragon Mm. What about you, Danger? Or, or do you think it's worth five bucks from what you've seen so far? Uh I I would pay it. I would I would definitely. I'm a, I'm on the same boat with you. I would I would like to see how many of these shows they're going to be. You know, are they gonna? Is it gonna wrap up in a month? Is it gonna be dragged out? Uh, I would I would still do the five dollars and check it out for sure for sure. But. Is it safe to say that Tone is not going to be tuning in on this? Uh, well, he at the opening of the show, he just said that Apple's not getting any of his money. But go ahead and confirm once again, Tone, your feelings on this. Have we swayed you? I think we did. We lose him. I think, I think he's gone. <laughs> no, I'm not gone. I'm right here laughing he's quietly. He's so offended. Apple's not getting He's so offended. Money. He's so offended. Okay, so are you going to even give Apple TV a try, or is you, or just tune off? Tune off. Turn off. Turn off. <laughs> wow again so i'm i'm questioning his deep hostility towards jason momoa so there's mm. there's definitely some hurt feelings from the past i don't know what happened did, did jason momoa mm-hmm. bully you as a child what happened so <laughs> what's our next victim wow here's a movie that <laughs> that PewDiePie would watch <laughs> uh, no. Jojo Rabbit is is our next trailer. Jojo Rabbit is an upcoming satirical black comedy written and directed by Takia Waititi. Uh, The film stars Roman Griffin Davis, Thomason McKenzie, Watati himself is in the movie, Rebel Wilson, Stephen Merchant, Alfie Allen, Sam Rockwell, and Scarlett Johansson. It is a Fox Searchlight Pictures production. And it is scheduled to be released on October 18, 2019. 
Kevin, can you give us the very complicated synopsis of <laughs> Rapid? Oh, it's going to be super complicated. All right. In the World War II era satire, Jojo Rabbit, a lonely German boy's world view is turned upside down when he discovers his single mother, Scarlett Johansson, is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic, aided only by his idiotic imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism. So, Danger, what did you think of Jojo Rabbit? You know, initially I thought, oh man, I don't even know if I want to really watch this because my first thought was, here we go again with the Nazis and is now really Mm -hmm. the time for a Nazi movie and stuff with Nazis is not going to, it's not funny, it's not appropriate, I don't think it's a good idea, but for the purposes of this podcast, I went ahead and watched the trailer and... Uh, you, you know what? Thank you for taking one for the team. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say that the trailer did suck me in. So first off, I I I love Scarlett Johansson and I love the character that she's playing. She's a single mom. She's, you know, she's raising this 10-year-old boy, you know, Nazi wartime era here. And then Rebel Wilson is in it and she's hilarious in everything that she does. So so obviously, as I'm watching this, I re- I'm seeing that, okay, this is a satire. I don't think that the majority of people are going to get satire. I think some people will, um, that, that will be lost on some people, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that the majority of people that will watch this will, will recognize and realize that this is satire. Um, but, but I love Rebel Wilson. I think Sam Rockwell is really funny and I have, um, all the way back to, oh gosh, I can't even think of the name of the movie right now with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, um, Sam Rockwell was in it and, um, oh shoot, um, more info. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. He played a spy. Oh, anyway, I've just been a fan of his for a really long time. He's really funny. He he's not, you know, he's one of those character actors that I think is really underappreciated and I think he's going to be really funny in this uh as well. I'll I'll think of the name of the movie at a at a later date. We'll just have to kind of put that in the show notes. But watching this, I think that this movie is actually going to be really good. I think I think people are going to I think people are going to be won over by this movie, even though, you know, it's about Nazis, but it's not really about Nazis because, you know, again, Scarlett Johansson is a single mom and she, you know, she's got some great lines in this. And one of the lines that she says, um, and I don't know if she's, if she is saying this whole line because it's kind of off, off camera, but her response is they say they'll never win. And her response is, love is the strongest thing in the world. They'll never win. Love is the strongest thing in the world. So I think um, I think it's going to be a great movie. There's a little nod, in my opinion, to Anne Frank, because in the trailer, uh, Scarlett Johansson playing the mom uh, takes in a Jewish girl and she's hiding her in the attic. And of course, her son comes upon him, uh, comes upon her and he's conflicted because, you know, he's got all these, he's, you know, he's got all these Nazi beliefs and he, he truly feels like he's a Nazi. And now he's conflicted because he's met this little Jewish girl and, um, they become friends. And there's a couple of zingers in there. There's a couple of really great one liners. Um, that I think are really going to make this funny. But I think at its core, this is going to really be a a heart-touching 
story. It is a comedy. Uh, it is a dark comedy. Again, it is a satire. But I think that um, I think that that people are going to be able to see that there's a bigger story here and that it's really not about Nazis. It's really about love and kindness and how we are all really more the same than we are different. So I'm going to give this a Netflix. Get him, Kevin. One of the the most touching lines in the trailer was when the the girl that's uh the Jewish girl that's hiding in the attic and she meets the boy and she says, "Your mother took me in. She's kind. She treats me like a person." Mm. And um, you're right as far as the idea of satire and everybody doesn't get satire. I'm I'm hoping hoping people get this because obviously. It speaks to so many things that are happening right, right now, now in our country when it comes to the wall and the fact that right now in our country, children are in cages, separated from their parents. So I thought of that. Uh, the rise in nationalism. There is a line that I don't know if people can pick up that this is satire, but I thought it was so perfect when uh, one yeah. of the Nazis, Nazi says to this little boy, like, I wish there were uh, more of our youths, uh, our young boys uh, were more uh, uh, were more like uh, were more uh, like you. Uh, 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 wait, I'm, wait, I wish more uh, of our young boys had more of your blind fascism. Uh, mm-hmm. So that just that uh, there's so many moments in this. And there was another moment where uh, they're at, at, they're at like a, a Nazi scout jamboree. And, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh, one of the little boys was there. They're com- They're talking about what they're, what they heard about Jews. And like one, like um, I, I, they can read each other's minds. I heard and another one says, but how can we know if we spot one? Cause they look just like us. Mm. And so th- that just that whole, whole thing i mean it I, I was nervous about this i'm like oh god a nazi comedy i just yeah this yeah. this goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show you can deal with any subject if you actually are smart about it and you have a mm-hmm. point of view and it's not just based in hatred or trying to be just to shock just to shock sake these people are actually trying to say something with this movie and to me unless you're i don't know had some traumatic brain injury I think you'll be able to get what they're trying to say. There's a moment when they're all the kids are like excited because they're like Rebel Wilson's are like they're like um, com- let's commence with the book burning and all the kids are like yay and we see Jojo have a moment of like he starts to question the world around him and the, what people are doing and why they're doing it and so that's what this story is about is when you're caught up in a world and there's another thing the little girl says uh you're not a Nazi Jojo you're a ten year old kid who likes dressing up in funny uniforms and wants to be a part of a club. And the sad thing is that the people that that's one of the things about like, when we're talking about like uh, people being recruited, like into ISIS and now people being recruited into, you know, uh, white nationalism. It's Mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. People want to be a part of a group and it's sad and scary but i think that this in a funny way is showing how this kind of thing can happen and what happens when you start to actually stop blindly following and start questioning what's happening so it's it's definitely a uh a netflix for me and you know maybe a movie theater so maybe all right, Tom, what did you think? So when I watched this trailer, my first impression is like, oh, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Wes Anderson did a, a Nazi satire um, because it had it had weird characters. It had a, it had his type of choice of music and the colors in the scenes. I was like, 
this is weird ass Wes Wes Anderson. Uh, but no, it's Takiwakiri. And, and once I saw it was a Takiwakiri film, I couldn't stop seeing the fact that it was his film. And he has assembled, get what I did there, <laughs> a, a great cast <laughs> for this movie. Um, so he, I never thought I would see Scarlett Johansson and Rebel Wilson in a movie together, by the way. Um, it's definitely an interesting subject. And just by the trailer, I can tell that that this is a, a, a it, it's weird to say, but it's going to be an endearing story. It's going to be a, a, a nice, warm story about a, a, a boy uh, finding out who he is, a coming of age tale. And and it's a dark comedy, and it has to do with Nazis. So if he pulls it off, it's it's going to be it's going to be a masterpiece. It's going to be great. If he doesn't pull it off, I can see people heavily criticizing this because like 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 you guys already pointed to. Uh, this could this could kind of normalize, and I think that especially in the time that we're living in, mm, um, yeah. actually normalize Nazis and make Nazis maybe not as offensive as they clearly are. So I I give them credit for tackling such a sort of such a narrative in this type of vehicle, but I also kind of cringe because we're unfortunately we're living in a time yeah. where like you both kind of say that this is it's it's scary because there's so many people who kind of feel this way and there's other people who i feel like are kind of like on the edge and that's why the, the whole pewdiepie thing that we discussed um though his, his he, he he would say his intention is not there people might misinterpret it and the same thing with this one your movie has such a wide release you can't control what people interpret from a movie true, unfortunately true. um so if he pulls it off i think this could be a a, a great movie the trailer i found that i really enjoyed the trailer but if if the movie fails, it could feel really big. So I think it's a gamble. And I was reading that um, this is a, a Fox Searchlight's Pictures. And um, Taika Waititi went over there and did this movie with Fox. And, you know, as you guys know, Disney then went and purchased Fox. Um, so this is a Fox Searchlight's Pictures. But it's, it's, then it's, a, it's really a Disney film. Hmm. So oh, it, it's going to be interesting what, what they do with this. Because Taika Waititi is their golden boy. He, he He's the one who resurrected Thor. He made him interesting again. And um, I really, I really uh, am a fan of his, his direction. Like he's one of those directors who has a special, um, uh, a special aesthetic and, and a, a special way of crafting a film. And I'm definitely a fan, so I'm looking forward to seeing this. But it kind of makes me worry about Disney uh, and how they're gonna still release this film. So back in the day, Disney used to release films under um, not New Line Cinema. They they had another picture house. Basically, all these big all these big film houses have subdivisions and sub film houses, and they deliver. So that way, Disney doesn't have to put Disney on the film. Right. So it's gonna be interesting to see um, you know this film coming out of Disney. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a it's a definitely a Netflix for me. I just don't know if it's if it's we were unfortunately we're we're in an environment where a movie really has to like draw and knock it out the park for me. And like I said, I, I'm kind of on the fence about this. I'm not sure if this is going to be a masterpiece. It's going to be a a, a, a hot ball of garbage. <laughs> well, and you know what? Uh, if I if I may dare say, mm-hmm. uh, it's a scary time right now. Like, do we really want to be in a movie theater with all these crazy people with guns and mass murderers watching a Nazi movie? Like, we don't. I hate to be one of those people that, you know, how they say, oh, if you don't do things, the terrorists win. But why would we want to put ourselves in a situation? I I feel sometimes like, is it risky to go to a movie about, even though it's satire and it's a comedy, is everyone going to get that? So do I really want to put myself in a position where I'm in a movie theater watching a movie about Nazis and someone's going to come in and open fire? You know what I mean? Like, that's the world we live in, sadly. Can I change my vote just to Netflix, period? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Okay. Now that I've traumatized you. <laughs> no, you know, that's an absolutely fair point. Uh, a lot of people I know wouldn't go to a Batman movie after the uh, unfortunate yeah. uh, massacre after that. So, no, that's an, a- that's an excellent point. That's an absolutely excellent point. It's sad, but but true. I think we'd be crazy not to at least have it cross your mind. Yeah. All but right, but I so. think I think this movie is going to do a good job, though. I think, um, you know, Tone said it could either be a great hit or a big flop, but I think it's going to do a good job in the fact that it's going to tell the story um, in a humorous way and make it really obvious. I think it's going to make it really obvious. I hope it makes it really obvious that this is satire. I mean, his imaginary friend, who is an idiot, looks exactly like Hitler. It's Hitler, essentially. And yeah, there's no, that's what, Go ahead. Yeah. No, and I was going to say, there's one point when he when he befriends and he finds a little Jewish girl, he's like, they're talking to each other, him and his imaginary friend Hitler, and they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? And they both say at the same time what they're going to do, and Jojo says, negotiate, and Hitler says, burn down the house and blame Winston Churchill. So there's going to be a lot of comedic moments there that hopefully people will get, but... um. Yeah, I guess it could go either way. No, that's why I said no. To not get that this is satire means you have to have a traumatic brain injury. But you know what? Yeah. To be a Nazi, you my guess you is have you're not to have super a, yeah. bright. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. you're right. It's it's uh, yeah. I think we should all play it safe and make it a Netflix. Mm. All right. <laughs> all right. So this is the part of the show where I ask my co-host, no matter how weird or crazy that we got. What was your favorite or least favorite thing about the week? You're up first, Tone. I would say one of my least favorite things about the week um, was was reading about the the fact that these these people, uh, specifically these actresses who were involved in a whole college scandal, um, they came out. A couple stories came out. Um, it was regular women who happened to send their children. Um, using either an address of a family member or a grandfather or just um, they changed their address and didn't live really live there and that they were facing like years of jail time and today it came out that that um that the actress who was found guilty the one who actually pleaded guilty that um felicity huffman felicity huffman thank you she's only getting two weeks uh 14 days so it was just such a travesty, and these women were sending the women were were sending their 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 children for education purposes, like to a better school, and and they were facing years of prison. It just it just it just remind me how imbalanced our justice system is, and that being a celebrity, there, there's so many levels of privilege. There's white privilege, then there's um wealth privilege, then there's celebrity privilege, and really the it just it's such a wide swing to, to the pendulums of, of of justice in in this country, and it, it's just very depressing sometimes when you think about it. Like for sending your kids to school, she didn't bribe anyone. This woman just used her her, her grandfather, her father's address. Like it was just ridiculous. Yeah, there's another story like that. Uh, there's a a Tanya uh, McDonald. Uh, she was a yes, yeah a homeless woman. She uh was sentenced to five years for using a babysitter's address to get her kid to go to a safer school in Norwalk, but where she was homeless. Which again, if you're homeless, can't you? You live anywhere, I think. But anyway, she was. They claim that she lived in Bridgeport because I guess she was thinking a shelter there at one point, and uh, so she got five years. Plus, she was fine. They said that she owed like. $15,000 for the education her, her child had gotten. Uh, and Felicity Huffman 
paid uh, $15,000 to get her daughter's uh, SATs uh, taken by somebody else. So 14 days, five years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, just to clarify that, she should have more. I'm just saying if this woman gets 14 days, those other women shouldn't have faced more than 14 days either right. because they what sh- they did was in no exactly. way as criminal as what this was. And if they're still in jail, they should be immediately released. Agreed. All right. That so, so, Danger, what was your favorite or least favorite thing about the week? Um. Okay. So, my least favorite thing was Hurricane Dorian. Um, and that that sucked um and my my most favorite thing uh besides surviving hurricane dorian uh was that my daughter and i got baptized together on sunday so that was pretty that was a pretty momentous occasion and i was very very happy that i could share in that um that monumental step that she took you know she she chose to to um to be baptized and she said well mom you know i i want to do it with you and i thought oh my like this is amazing she she not only wants to do it but she wants me to be a part of it so that for me was the highlight of my week for sure without a doubt wow okay what first of all we we all say boo to dorian so yeah um but anyway great uh worst and uh best all right, for me, uh, my uh, worst uh, thing about the week just broke on Friday. Um, uh, SNL Saturday Night Live announced uh, some new cast members. And among the new cast members, there were three new cast members added, uh, was a comedian named Shane Gillis. Uh, and um, what was really upsetting about him being added to the show was that he has a history of saying some uh, very racist and homophobic things on a podcast that he was on. So not only am I upset about him being cast by uh, Lauren Michaels and NBC, it's the fact that the, some of the news outlets, the way they're framing it, they're using terms like, you know, uh, that some of these videos and things he says have resurfaced. It's like, wait, so something I said to you last week has resurfaced? It's just like he was saying racist things a year ago. He took down all of his uh, his uh, podcast episodes and tried to do, to delete a whole bunch of his different tweets and social media things, all the racist and homophobic things that he said. Um, but a lot of it's hard to get rid of everything that you've done on the Internet. But mm-hmm. not only has was it on stage, but it's also that he said these things, you know, to people uh, uh, off stage as well. He said racist and homophobic and hate filled things. And 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 also he released one of those half ass apologies where it's just like, um, I'm sorry if anybody was offended by my super racist homophobic stuff. You know, but it's my job as a comedian to be edgy kind of thing. Kind of, I guess, the Dave Chappelle defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really bothered me. And especially because of the fact in the same uh, being added to the cast as well as him is someone named. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher your name. Sorry, sir. Uh, Bowen. B-O-W-E-N Yang. 
uh, is, uh, he's making history. He's the first, um, Asian, uh, uh, 100%, I guess, Asian person to be a cast member, uh, uh, of Asian descent to be a cast member. And also, they're saying he's the fifth LGBTQ person, even though, like, I'm, other than, like, Kate McKinnon, and there was, I believe there was a gay guy that was out, like, in the 80s. I don't know who these other three people are. Um, because were they on the down low? Cause I, I can't name them. But anyway, um, so, uh, uh, the attention of how groundbreaking this is, the shocking thing is that this show has been on for over 40 years and they're having yeah. their first actual Asian guy on the show and their mm. fifth supposedly gay person or LGBTQ person on the show. Even though, again, I'm hard pressed to name who these others are. Yeah. Who did they just are- out? And the other character and the other articles I read, I couldn't find anybody who lists who these other ones were other than Kate McKinnon, who's an out lesbian now who's on the show. So it really disgusts me. It's not that this, that, that I've been happy with the choices that SNL has done as far as in the, some of the comedy that they've pushed and the people they've chosen to spotlight. But, um, it really bothers me. And I'm actually looking at some people in particular that are, uh, are, are cool with this. Supposedly NBC didn't know about this, but now they know and they have announced that he's been fired. So I'm looking at you, Kate McKinnon. The fact that you're going to show up there and be on a show with this person who's done this kind of thing and said this kind of thing. And this isn't that a lot of people want to give that BS that they gave about Kevin Hart. Like, well, this is like eight years ago when he was saying super homophobic racist stuff. Who knew back in like what 2011 that not to be super racist or homophobic? so um this is last year and so uh the idea that we're not supposed to pay attention to the things that he said a year ago or less is absolutely ridiculous so i am absolutely looking at you kate mckinnon i'm looking at you keenan thompson um michael che i'm not looking at you because i never had any respect for you in the first place oh so i don't think you'd stand up and do the right thing if your life depended on it oh. but kate mckinnon and keenan thompson when you go out there on on uh, it's live it's saturday night and you stand next to this homophobic racist ass uh, can you look in the mirror how do you sleep at night so yeah i'm looking at both of you all right okay so (laughs) (laughs) i love a transition all right (laughs) okay all right we can't do every story We try, try, but we can't do every story here on Last Weekly. But we do want to cover what you want to hear us talk about. Uh, I'm sorry. My indignation is righteous. So... So, um, if, uh, if there's a story during the week that you see that you want us to recap, or if you want to share your favorite or least favorite thing about the week, uh, let us know. We want to hear from you. And there are a couple different ways to do it. You can send us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can tweet us at Last Weekly. Also, you can reach out to us on Instagram at Last Weekly. And you can send us an old school email last weekly podcast at gmail.com and if you're wondering about how you can listen to this podcast other than how you're listening to us right now tone mm-hmm. let them know how they can do it well you can listen to last weekly on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify youtube and our brand new home wjms radio you can listen to us every sunday at 4 30 p.m eastern and every friday at 10 30 p.m eastern to make it even easier for you guys because that's what we do here you can also go to lastweekly.com for all our links to where you can listen to last weekly also the last weekly theme song is lush by the artist 
Dyla. All right. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you and your support. The fact that you guys listen week in, week out means the world to us. So we very much appreciate it. And we hope you will listen to the next episode of Last Weekly because the week doesn't end until, until we, we say, say so. We're going to get this synchronized. When people swim synchronized and we can't say this synchronized. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.